Welcome to episode 299 and a half of Texting, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and Jason Roberts. Hey there, Jason. How you doing? I'm doing all right. How about yourself? Not too bad. I love the I love the 299 and a half. It's like the Hogwarts platform nine and three quarters. I thought, you know, when we were trying to organize the uh, special 300 show, which Rob Walling is going to host, we just couldn't get a a date that was going to work out until what end of the month or something. Yeah, and and it already been like a month, so I figured we got to get something going. So. Well, I love the idea. When you said let's do a show, you know, 99 and a half, I'm like, yep. That's awesome. That's so texting. I mean, but the truth is, this this already is episode three hundred and one right now. And, because know, of the missing, because terms. of the because of the missing show. Missing show. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. The uh, the show that never was the Phantom <laughs> Show. So um, yeah, I feel like there was just so much going on that we had to give kind of an update. Yeah. You know, I, I want to hear about the Nugget. There's a lot going on with Math Academy. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. So we can talk about that kind of. Yep. You know those kind of subjects, and then um. You know, with Rob, we're going to, I think the idea is we're going to go over like all the main storylines and old projects and all the major stuff that happened over the past, what, six, seven years? I mean, there's just, there's just so much. I mean, I know we've scheduled a two hour chat, but there's just no way in two hours we're going to go. I mean, yeah. even just the show titles alone, which by the way, are kind of just a great chronicle the stuff that we've gone through there really were nicely. some really the funny titles ones that you've got you've made because <laughs> jason's made all the titles and he always does it very very well someone really made me laugh i was sitting out with my with uh, sandy we we're watching colby's football game and there was another mom who was sitting there talking with us and you had just sent me that that email with a list of the titles yeah and I just started reading them, and they were both dying. I'm first. I'm laughing to myself, and I'm like, "Whoa, whoa, let me read you this." Like, like I think. Well, my favorite was this week, and what the fuck? No, no, it was this week, and holy shit! <laughs> I mean. they, 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 each of the titles kind of remind me of an era. You know, it's like yeah. that. That was a texting era. Like we went through stuff, we did stuff related, you know, in, that's encapsulated by those titles. So it's nice. Yeah, and yeah, there, there's a great, so we'll go over them during the, I think we should go over some of those doing show 300 and 300. Yeah. You know, and and kind of talk a little bit about what that show was and the title, at least, you know, maybe like our top, top 10 title, texting titles. Yeah. Because there, there are, there are some good ones. <laughs> I mean, I guess if I do say myself, but I was just. But I mean, like there, there's a hundred titles there at least that like you oh, know yeah. 50 to 100 that are good yeah. funny and, and and encapsulate a kind of vibe and a thing that we did like a little experiment we had like i mean even just catalyst which was a big thing for us yeah that's just one title <laughs> you yes. know there's only mentioned one there's so much happened yeah you know it's um it was so funny about the titling is you would always you Whenever I couldn't think of a title, which was quite often, I'd sit there and be like, I'd be just blank. I got nothing, you know? Or yeah. I'd come up with something that was just really boring and one-dimensional and just cap or captured one thing that we talked about, right? One little element, and I'm just like, I can't think. And then I'd, and I'd ask you over Skype, I'm like, what? <laughs> Do you have anything? And you would inevitably come up with like three or four of the worst titles of all time. <laughs> and I'd be like, but it would immediately spark. Sp Spark me, get, create a spark for me to create something else. Like, perfect! No, that is horrible, but this is, <laughs> it like, would, it would jar my brain. Yeah. So I'm just like, please, you know, please give me some names. I mean, we, so together, we ended up coming with a lot of really good stuff. I was the sand. <laughs> you were. The that sand was so in funny. The I mean, yeah, I mean, you have a lot of talents, but titling is not one of them. <laughs> well, I'm getting better at naming stuff. Are you? Yeah. I did some, came up with some great names for, for Nugget products. Oh, did you? Yeah, uh, yeah, you, yeah, you told yeah. me. Well, well, that's you right. told me that's right. What was the one? What was the one? 
that I really... Beam you really liked for for the SaaS... uh, subscription management system. So Beam, we shine a light on. Uh, yeah, your that's great. I like that one. It's clean. It's, it's uh, you know, it's like a uh, has a visual. Um, it's unique. And then once you say it, once you describe what it is, it makes sense. Yeah, that was a good one. I like it. What was the other and one? Uh, Callback. Callback was really good too. Yeah. So that was another, uh, another product that's being built by someone inside Nugget. So basically, that's a, a service to act like a kind of automated receptionist. So basically, people call in and uh, leave a message, and then you go through all your messages in one go, mm-hmm. and then you you kind of record your responses, and it will call them all back. Mm-hmm. Call back. Yeah, it's good. No, yeah. it's really good. I mean, it just it's named the generic. Yeah. yeah. Well, I I got the idea from you after drip. You know. Oh, the name the name, generic. Name the generic. Well, of course, yeah. that wasn't my idea. I I read that like 15 years ago, and I think it was the guy. It was like a Microsoft product brand guy, mm. and he it was naming it wasn't excel or, or word maybe it was like word he was talking about like some products yeah. and the naming that if you can name the generic that's like one of the best things you can do and yeah i always stuck with me. I thought that was a great idea it is a good idea I, it, although sometimes it doesn't for example you know pets.com or something like that it's, i mean it, yeah it, 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 it depends i mean it, it has it, to be a specific it has to have a kind of certain t- vibe you know yeah i mean it's like you can't you can't robotically follow rules like this it's like yeah. Naming the generic can really work. Let's put it that way. It's like that's the thing. Is so many like rules and th- rules of thumb in life yeah, are just yeah. it's contextual. It's, it's like yeah. more true than it's not true than not true, but it's not always true. You need to you need to think about it in, with that specific case in mind. Yeah. So, um, well, I'm I'm dying to hear how things are going on your end. So we'll get into some of the nugget stuff later. Really? So, I, you don't want to go do some nugget, nuggeting first? I, I mean, either way, but I, I am kind of interested in hearing how things are going with the, uh, the, the Academy. Okay, let's, let's do Nugget first, though. I okay. Like, we traditionally kind of start with your stuff. Oh, okay. I feel like I always, because I'm so anxious to hear that I always, oh, wow. jump, I always jump at your stuff. So All right, well, what do you want to hear? What well, do you hear I mean, about? what was the last, okay, so we talked... Last time we even talked in person was like, I don't know, three weeks ago, you came to Colby's football game. Yeah, and I, said, I said to you that one of the things that's going on is that people aren't making stuff. And that I basically right. decided that I was going to become a bit of a horse like you and just kind of bug people to start making stuff and just really you know, help them and put, you know, push them through and find yeah. out what, what the issue was and just horse it, basically. Yeah, yeah. So for people, who, in case... They're not sure what that term means. It's a it's a nickname that Phil gave me <laughs> back twenty some odd years. He's he the the what you'd picture would be like a you know a horse like in a stall kind of bucking and rearing like before uh, okay. a race or something. You yeah. know, just like and find the gate. You know. Yeah. And he he you know he and I did it. We did our first startup together, and I would inevitably come up with some idea. Oh, we should do this or we should do that, and then he would usually resist say it wasn't possible yeah, and yeah. then he'd be like all right and then he'd start working on it and then i'd be like you done yet are you done yet and he's like dude good horse because <laughs> <laughs> i'm like come on how about now you're how about now you ready and he's just yeah. like are you, you done and he just so he you know oh so he would say getting horsey means you're just like yeah put it's kind of like you're constantly pushing it's sort of an it's like pushing but it's it's not it comes from a um sort of uh no, uh, uh, it's it's not it's not necessarily negative, but it's just it's come from enthusiasm. Enthusiasm, you know. Yeah. Anyway, so horsing somebody—that's <laughs> what horsing somebody is. 
Yeah, so, so then, you know, I kind of had this idea to make a, a post called the leaderboard, you know, the Nugget mm -hmm. leaderboard. And so I you spoke to a number of different people and just said, you know, what, what's kind of blocking you? What's, what's going on here? And just really work with each person to just try and get them past that so that they, were, they started building stuff. And, you know, it worked. Um, so now there's about 10 people who, who are building stuff. Um, but of course, stuff takes time to build. So it's kind of like sitting back and letting that happen, letting that gestate. So, so one of the reasons that I don't like talking to you when I'm not doing the show is because we have these great conversations. Yeah. However, I'm going to replay uh, a little interaction we had because I thought it was... Because yeah. afterwards, I was like, oh, God, this should have been on the show. Yeah. But... You you were, you were initially just kind of frustrated with that, and you were said, and then you were talking about how you're starting to you know work with the work with some of the uh, you know the the entrepreneurs, and I said, you know, it's almost like you want to create a a platform. It's like um, Ruby on Rails for startups, startup on Rails. Like you create a templated, structured approach about the things that you need to be doing at each stage. Um, you know, almost like it's like a wizard, like, okay, this is the type of startup you're going to do. Um, is it a SaaS? Is it a product? Is it mobile app? Is it, you know, are you, is it partners or just you? You could go through all this stuff and, and you almost like, you know, like you define your relationships with models and many to many and one to many. And you just kind of, you know, yeah. you have an opinionated framework, but it, it really removes a lot of the decision-making that causes people to shut down because they just don't know an answer. Or like, I don't know what to do. And you're like, you know, you can debate, you can always debate at every decision point whether this is really the best thing to do. But a lot of times you just need to have something that is probably a good thing to do, do it and move on. And if you create some kind of a framework or a real structure to this where they progress and they have like checklists and prioritized items and da -da -da -da, that kind of stuff, you know, I always thought that would really help a lot of these people sort of emotionally or psychologically push through these barriers. So I don't know. I'm interested to see. That was a conversation we had, and I'm curious yeah. what all you're thinking and doing. No, I, I agree. And, um, you know, from looking at the, the cancellations and the reason why people cancel, um, you know, the typical thing is, you know, I don't have enough time and I'm kind of overwhelmed. So, you know, yeah. these ideas are coming through and I don't have time to make it happen. So feel like the system needs to be driven and give you like a 10 minute to 30 minute task every day to kind of move forward and make it happen. Yes, Adam emails you? It, it basically... Yeah, so you so, have progressed to stage four. Well, what, what I've realized is <laughs> it basically is very similar to your adaptive learning platform. You know, it's yeah. very similar to that. So it, it doesn't, it's not in the same kind of linked list type way of like, yeah, 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 it doesn't but, have to be fully adaptive, but it does have to be that similar concept of like, send them an email, you know, have you done that, you know, it's time to do this, you know, this, yeah, this yeah. 10 minute thing and, and just do, cause I, part it's of an it, automated coaching service, an automated mentoring yeah, service, that's right, you that's know, automated mentoring yeah. because that's what, that's what's working is me slacking people. I'm, I'm doing horsing, it manually. Right. It's the I'm, automated I'm manually horsing. slacking them and saying, Hey, how's it going? <laughs> like I'm, ch I'm now checking in on about 15, 20 people every day, but Slack has these, ama this amazing thing where you can go slash remind uh -huh. and then you can say remind. So I'm, I'm basically reminding myself to remind people. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I'm like coding something and all of a sudden a pop-up says, you know, hey, it's time to remind, you know, Michael or whatever. Now, can you, can, can you build an automated bot? 
That's, of that course, does I'm that thinking about so that, that if they do reply, then you can engage in the conversation. But it automatically says, "Hey, so what's progress?" Or hey, well, what's... I did. I I totally could do that. I but totally you feel could like do a little that. disingenuous. Exactly. Yeah, I get it. I, I think it's it. a yeah, little I, bit. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, um, but it's always worth as a thought experiment. Like, how much could <laughs> I automate? Oh, well, but what automate? I was yeah. thinking was it would be quite good to have a bunch of canned stuff, you know. So it's not automated, but it's canned. So like, you know, if you see typical questions come up, you just go slash say. XYZ, you know, slash say XYZ, and then it's, it, it does a paragraph or a couple of paragraphs about that thing. So that way yeah. you, you could leverage it. You could speak to a lot of people at the same well, time. Well, it's almost like the... Like a support person. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's almost like the old Microsoft network troubleshooter. Right, right. <laughs> Try this. Have you, are you having this problem? <laughs> Try this. Are you not? Oh, you know, no, I'm not having... You know, it's like you have this sort of question tree in a sense. So, like, they're at stage two or three or whatever, right? And it sends an email reminder. It says... You know, the, uh, your, your default deadline for completing stage three is uh, Tuesday. Mm -hmm. You know, you have five days. Um, here are three things that entrepreneurs tend to struggle with at this point. If you're struggling with A or B or B, check, you know, click on it and it'll, you click a link. That'll be part of the email. Click a link and it goes to a page about how strategies or steps to get past those blocks. You know, something mm. like that, right? And it's just, um, so it's not really, it's, like a, it's not like it's a canned, like, fake bot thing. It's just, like, it's, you, you know, you've pre-thought a lot of this stuff based on, like, you know, experience and what, what startups do. But it, it, it can really help spur people to the next step. Well, the things that, I, that I've started mocking up the new kind of version of it. So I think that the new system is going to be along the lines of what we're talking about. But right now, um, I've got it split into, like, the learning area and the kind of doing area. And the doing area will have tools to help you to help automate the processes like validate it, get your first few customers, all that kind of stuff. And the learning area is kind of split up into each of these different phases of a startup. So, you know, like the the, the validation phase, the building phase, the launch phase. And in each of those modules, I guess, um, I'll have I'll break that down. So say for example, it's the build phase, it's obviously gonna be mainly targeted at people who don't know how to build stuff. So for them, it's going to be, you know, how to tools, deal with that. Tools you can use. To, yeah. Here's a tool to do a yeah. landing page. Use yeah. this. Here are the steps. Do this. Complete this by Wednesday. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. So, so, but part of the thing that I'm, I'm doing is I'm having a little bit of fun as well in creating the UI. So I'm... You enjoy creating a UI? I'm, how strange. <laughs> <laughs> I am putting gamification into it. So, like, everything that you read, you get a point, or maybe you'll get a couple of points. And just to hammer, hammer home the SaaS concept, for certain articles, you can get recurring points. So, like, if you read this article, you will get two points every month forevermore. Yeah. So, okay. So, off before the show, you were briefly, met, you maybe mentioned something about a leaderboard. Yeah. Or did you say that in the leaderboard. show? Leaderboard. No, you, no, I, off the show. I can't, remember, I can't remember what you, yeah. that's what, that's what I'm like, save for the show because I get confused. Okay. What are we talking yeah. about? Okay, so there's a leaderboard. So, there, so there would be a leaderboard. So, there'd, there'd be content that would be, because I think there's a lot of really seminal blog posts that you need to read. Stuff that Gabriel Weinberg's put out, stu Lux Surface Area. Paul Graham. Right? You know, like... Joel Spolsky. Uh, like, oh, there's, there's seminal stuff that's Them. important to read, and I think that people should read that. And so I, I don't want to just limit it to content that I put out and I create. No, you're, uh, that's a great idea. I mean, there's so many great resources on the web. Exactly. To try and claim that you're going to get everything you, you need from me or from either... Yeah. I mean, obviously, you're, you're, you're either going to end up just paraphrasing what somebody else said... But right. yeah, just go to the original source. Paul Graham right. said it perfectly here. Here's the essay. Read it. So, so you see here, here's the different 
areas. I'm just just showing Jason the the thing here, and each of these different areas will have like subsections, and then there will be lots of different reading. And so actually, there may well be a hundred posts per per phase. So you can get like a lot of points up in your little uh, I like it. leaderboard area. I and like you're it. Against, you know, you're against other people. I like it. And I, I suddenly feel like I need to be getting points. Like, I'm, <laughs> like how do I get points? <laughs> um, uh, so, you know, what's interesting, and is, so you, this is probably stuff you've already thought about, but like, it's kind of like you, you kind of want to create phases of learning and doing, yes. act, pairing learning with action, because if you spend too much time um, learning, you just get in this phase of, you, you, you get out of the habit of doing, which is incredibly important, right? But sometimes you need to take a break, read a little, reflect. So it's like nice to say, it's like, do, learn, learn, do, do, learn, do, you know, it's like take a break. So they have yeah. kind of a selection, maybe even they have like, here's, here are things that you can get points this week, read this article, read this article, set up this landing page. And, and it kind of depends on your mood. They might be like, you know, it's 11 o'clock at night. I'm sitting here in bed. My wife just fell asleep. You know, I'll read a couple articles, get a couple points. I'm not really going to do anything. Yeah. Right? So it's, it's like that. That's the checklist section. So I have this idea of the wizard slash checklist concept, which is pretty much what you just described. So, but I, I haven't quite got it down in a UI way or even just a conceptual way how it's going to be spoon fed out. I had just thought of having just this big long checklist, but obviously that's a bit too much. No, maybe, it's journey of choice. You want to have like it needs to be choice. just like pushing you out, like a certain amount for this day or for this week. You see, you got to spoon feed them and say, here, you, so there's a couple of things, right? If you say, here are 500 books you should read. Yeah. No one's going to read any of them, right? Right. Or here's 500 essays you should read. It's, it's just too much. It's, it's, it feels, uh, it's, it's insurmountable. It's too intimidating. Um, but if, if you say, here's this one thing that you have to do, well, if you're just right, not in the yeah. mood for it, you yeah. just need, I, look, I want to make progress, but I just, I'm not in a position to do that right now, but, that, but I want to feel like I'm making progress. That works from on, if you think about it, that does work with a long list of anything because you just send them an email and say, and just pick the, the next thing on the list. You say, do this, you know, today. So, so if you, if you broke them into like, I mean, you have areas of like stages or whatever, right? This is stage 15. Yeah. There's. Three is two, two, there's three learning items and two action items, yeah. you know, or something, right? You can do them in any order, but you can't progress past the stage until you do these five things, right? Yeah. So, and, 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 and it's enough things that maybe is encapsulated in a, a few days of work or something. So, do you feel like the learning and the doing area need to be completely together, integrated, or do you feel like they're two separate things? Because I, I had thought that the learning area was an area that you could kind of dip in and out of and you just earn points for kind of going through stuff. I, and the doing area pointed to some of the learning area stuff but had other checkboxes for doing stuff. I would, I think if you, I think if you integrated it, it would, it would create a nice um, balance because you're, 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 you're doing both. You're continually learning and doing, which are, with, which are important, as we just said, right? But, so it's a checklist. So it's, it's, it's lists of... Of reading and doing. Yeah, it's like here are, yeah, this is our focus area. And this is called like learning about your market or market validation. And here's an article from Eric Reese, And here's an article from so-and-so. And here are some things that you can do. And, and you don't have to, and the learning, and there's no order in this thing. So all the learning ha and the doing ha is, it needs to come before the next stage. So if you're like, you don't have to read these 
these three things before you do these two things, but all this stuff is preparing for the next stage. Do whatever order you want. But what, what about something like you, you basically don't care about that thing? So, so like, you know, you know, for example, you or I don't really care about using specific tools. We're going to code something ourselves. So you'd have this, you'd have this, one, this one whole area phase of building that we wouldn't need. So, so then how do you kind of drip that out into, how do you kind of force this sequential thing when well, that's a bunch of stuff is irrelevant to people? So, so all of these, um, these sort of stages, let's call them stages, are all driven by the, the question tree when they're defining what kind of product or service they're building, right? Are you building a mobile game? Are you building an educational website? Are you building a, you know, whatever? And so these things are all relevant, they are all, selected out and relevant to that thing and they're kind of grouped together right but but for, so take for example the first two phases that i've got which is prepare and ideate so mm. prepare is this phase where i want to put a whole bunch of articles in there that deprogram you from common cargo cult thinking okay now i think everyone should do that and for example the ideate phase maybe you're going to choose to grab a nugget or, or another thing i was thinking of was getting every forum indexed and putting a little search tool here so you could search through every forum there is and go and do the Amy Hoy thing of the sales safari, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, so with that, you know, there's two different options. Like, it's not really a, a choice or a tree thing. It's just like, you know, maybe you're going to ideate this way. Maybe, maybe you're going to ideate this way. I want to show you we'll both put it of these this options. Way. Okay, okay, let's put it this way. Um, here, here are the things, this stage, and maybe you have more than more, maybe it's like seven or ten things. Pick any things. five. Pick any five. Pick any but, three. You know what? You get points, but understand that some of these things are required for the next stage. Like you need to. There's a couple of things that are not really optional. Like you, you gotta like ah, do X right, right. before so you can. You need. There's certain things in stage twelve that just have to be completed. Go to stage thirteen. Now here are, you know, whatever. I mean, you don't want to make the list. You don't want to make it too big. And, um, you know, it's that balance between what's too big and what's too Love small. Love it. Required. I'm just, I'm going to just put a drag an icon. Optional and retire power. And it can have like, um, you know, point settings, you know, like this is, this is a five pointer. This is a one pointer. Like here's yeah. a, you know, a 500 word article by Derek Sivers. One point. Like, you know, that yeah. doesn't count for, it's good. You should read it. Yeah. Highly recommend it. But, yeah. you know, I mean, it's like, it's going to take you three minutes to read it. So, you know, but, um, setting up an email list or something and a, setting up your stripe account like okay well that's three points it's only take yeah. you 10 minutes but you actually have to do something so it's a little more than reading you know yeah and um yeah i think happiness that you know happiness is largely driven by agency and choice so you want to give people choice like it yeah but you don't want to overwhelm them you know and um there's been different research on like uh, education like kids who have some freedom to select what they're learning, what they get to learn, are way more motivated and, and retain better than kids who don't have any choice. And I think that it applies to adults and what they're doing. So if mm -hmm. you say, you have to read this article, people are like, I don't want to read this stupid article. It's yeah. 1,500 words long and, and I, I, I... Well, that's why I like uh, the point-driven thing because if I, if I went into a system like that where I got points for every piece I read, I'd be reading it because I'd want to be, you know, I'd want to earn the more points. Yeah. And so, and that can help. You can assign it, you know, because if they're bigger tasks, they get more points. Yeah. Right. Um, and, but I really like, I really like the, uh, this framework, this action framework 
overall as a driver for getting people to do stuff. You want to be, you're going to be a success. Your operation, just ventures going to be a success if you can make your customer successful, right? That's the only way that you're really going to have long-term success. And the way to guarantee everyone's success is by literally hand-holding people and walking them through this whole damn thing. Well, and, and, but, you, but you can only do so much of that individually, so you want to automate it and create, like we talked about, create a structure yeah. and phases and points. All well, this stuff is it's great. It's classic Paul Graham do things that don't scale, so I've, I've been trying to work out what, what makes this work, and what makes it yeah. work is, is giving founders, you know, hand-holding and, and, yeah. and guys device. But then, and then, then, but then you automate it. Then you automate it after yeah. you're like, all right, all right, all right. so I, I've done this, I've had this conversation seven times. Yeah, you know, I've, I've I've emailed this article to four people and slacked it to the other five. Like I, you know, all right. So this has got to be a thing. I, I mean, I totally agree with the do things that don't scale and getting and working with people. I, I agree with all this. I mean, basically, what I'm saying is I really like all this stuff. I think yeah. all this stuff is going to work. Um, I think it's. It, well, I'd the, love to run the mockups past you once I've got it actually, you know, defined what we just described set up in mock-ups. I'd love to run that boss. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be, a, there's going to be some iterations because this is kind of, it's a little complicated. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But the reality is, you know, you don't have to have the whole thing thought out. You just have to have overall sketch of the structure and everyone's really early in the process, right? right. So it's like when I'm teaching the kids, like you really only need to stay a few days ahead of them, right? <laughs> you only really need to stay a week or two. You don't have to like, I'm going to go out and find like, what is the canon of the 500 articles that people have to read? You don't have to go and find that. You just have to go and, and, uh, and stay a few articles ahead with, you know, here are the 25 or 30 sort of thought leaders in entrepreneurship. Yeah. You know, and you're, key, you're, you're going and rereading them and go, oh, yeah, yeah, they need to read this. And you pick it out. And you just kind of go, go along. And then the mm. second time, and then it gets better over time. But Yeah, and then just some of the tools to help them. Like, people get, just people get stuck with, the whole thing of like getting people on the phone, that's just a, a real big pain point for people. So I just need to automate that basically just by hooking into LinkedIn searches and finding out, you know, finding the people's emails and just automating it, basically. You know, and, um, and then you assign big points to certain things that are painful, right? Yeah, that's true. Like, here's yeah. a big challenge. This is... That's great. You, so, you, so everything is like basically, it, it is single, single digit, but then you come across something like validating... And you're going to get 100 points. You would like actually get 100. But yeah. I think... Exponential. I think you want to make... So one of the key things for getting a difficult task done is breaking it down into smaller and smaller tasks. Yeah, yeah. So hard problems are hard because they usually consist of lots of problems and you haven't broken it down and you just use one giant problem. And as soon as you make it into smaller problems that are digestible, like, oh, okay, first step is I got to open the door and go outside. Okay, second step is I got to get my car. You yeah, know, it's like, yeah. okay, breaking down on each one. And if you can lead them through gamification and, and encouragement and reminders and nudges and all these kinds of things, then um, you can you could probably dramatically increase the probability that they're going to get through these blockers. Rather than saying, do this really hard thing, 100 points. Like, yeah. well, this actually thing is kind of five things. Each one is... 20 points. I don't it. know. You just kind yeah. of just, you know, make it... You want to make everything... Yeah, if... Break things down as granular as you possibly can. The least probable... Because, I mean, some things can... They hit some ato uh, level, atomic level, right? It just can't get any smaller than this. But I think that's the key thing. You break it into small things because at least they can do that thing. Because it's kind of hard to argue, well, I can't do that. Like, you really cannot go to Stripe and create an account. Is that what you're telling me? Because they're like, oh, we'll set up a store. Like, I don't know how. Go to Stripe, set up an account. Like, you can't do that, right? <laughs> <laughs> I know you can go to type in stripe.com and type in your, your name and, you know, whatever, and you're done, right? 
Thank yeah. you four minutes. Congratulations. Now you have a, you know, whatever. So, anyway. Yeah. I like it. Well, it's interesting to see how Nugget is evolving past idea into action and follow through. Yeah, and that's part of one of the phases that I've got. So the phases that I have for a startup, I th and I think these, and correct, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think basically the idea, ideation phase, which is just deciding what it's going to be, then your validation phase, which is validating that it's actually a viable business in your mind as, as best you can uh, with as speaking to customers as possible. Then you have to build it, right? Then launch it. So that's the launch phase. And then... I think you go through this phase that I've gone through with Plugio and also here with um, every business I've done has gone through this, which is like what I call the bake phase. It's like it's launched, you've got customers using it, but now you're like, uh, it's, it, they don't really want what I made. I need to like bake this. I need to tweak this. I need to get it right. And it's basically product market fit phase. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think there are probably more phases as you go through. Like, I think you could have, um, you know, the, mock-up phase the a prototype phase got it right it, you know like prototype it better be ugly <laughs> right right <laughs> you yeah. know like i think you know and we could talk that more doesn't go on to build so like I, under, I was thinking under build you'd have like different subsections so you'd like under there you'd have like sure mock-up or that's yeah. fine i mean yeah i mean maybe those are sub sub things yeah but um you know again the 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 more granular you can make these things the more the more doable they'll seem to people the less intimidating they'll be because people People, people back down from things when they become intimidated. It's out of fear. Like, I, I just don't know. Overwhelmed. They're yeah. overwhelmed yeah. and, you know, and uh, I'm going to fail. I don't know how to do it. And then they just kind of stop. So it's like the more you can, the, the smaller the tasks. Well, in the, a way, the, that's the, the reason why I want to try and keep it to nine phases because... Well, those could be like super so, so, phases, so, but then you have kind of sub phases or stages right, exactly, or whatever. Yeah, sub phases. So, because if you, if you came to this page and it had like these this 20-phase journey, 20-stage journey, that would feel a lot more painful than if you just had, like, these nine, these nine stages yeah, and you well clicked that, into Yeah, them. no, I think that's fine, you know, and, and then each one might have, you know, five sub-things or three, and, say, right. and you can have estimated time. This is, a, this yeah. is usually a three-day thing. This is a one-week thing. I mean, or, it takes three years. I'll tell you something. It, it is a long endeavor. Like, it takes three years to do a startup. You know that's the truth. I, th I think you should. I think you should go and read the uh, the, the the research from the um, Startup Genome Project. Reread that. Yeah. Because they really structure a lot of the stuff, and it's all yeah. based on yeah. you know surveys and research like a thousand companies of all different types. And this is the um, the main finding was that premature scaling was the number one. Yeah. So number take a bunch of money before you really know what you're doing, and you just blow it. Well, premature scaling anything. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, prematurely scaling the technology stack, you know, prematurely scaling whatever. Anything. Yeah. Well, and uh, yeah, that's what I like the, yeah, I kind of uh, on the coding side, it's like, you know, say the root of all our most software, evil in software development is uh, premature optimization. It's like Knut, Donald Knuth saying, it's like another version that I like is, um, the, is, is the root of all evil in software in architecture is premature generalization. Right. I have one instance. I'm going to create. I guess, like, dude, just <laughs> wait. Know. You have multiple things. The, 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 the well, the worst is, is in databases. When that happens with databases, and, they, and then you end up with, like, 250 tables, each table being, like, one kind of object type thing. Yeah. Oh, it's horrific. Yeah, so I... Um, anyway, yeah, I, I, I think the, um, the Startup Genome Project would be a really good thing to help you structure this stuff 
because they're gonna have they might have some good nomenclature for you, some good phases, you know. Because you know they've had a lot of smart people working on this for a while, really thinking through this stuff. Yeah. Um, now that does remind me. This current discussion reminds me of the the SMS you sent me with a link to an article about Java, this current state of JavaScript. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. Oh, oh my god! It was. Uh, it's like learning what what it's like to learn JavaScript in 2016, I think was the title. Yeah. And this one guy's like, oh, so I just want to get this website where I get some real-time data and put a table. And the guy says, like, so should I just use, like, jQuery or something? The guy's like, oh, no, you got to use React. That's jQuery is so 2011 or something. Yeah. Like, that's just spaghetti. Everybody knows at least it's spaghetti code. He's like, oh, okay. And then he's like, so what do I need? He's like, well, then you do this. And then you got to use that. And you got to use this. And it just goes all the different on things like the grunt and the and the and the build stuff and and less and I don't even think they got into that. They it, didn't even get into they that. They didn't even like they mentioned grunt, but they didn't mention less. They didn't mention a lot of stuff. And and it was still uh, like five over pages the top. long. It five was ridiculous. Long, just crazy, crazy stuff. So gulp. When, we we using gulp at work, and it's just like oh god. So what is gulp? Gulp basically. So. That what Gulp does is every time you do a save, it basically processes all the CSS and all the JavaScript, minifies it, and puts it into a public directory. Mm -hmm. So you have, to, you have two different kind of versions of everything. You have like the version that you're working on in the code and then the version that's publicly deployed. And so that sucks for me because I don't use, I don't use um, what are they called, debuggers? <laughs> so, like, <laughs> so like every time I want to look at a, you know, look for a, trying to do a problem, like you, you would use a debugger. This wouldn't affect you that much. But for me, I just do refresh, refresh, refresh. I, I trace, I do different things like that. Okay. Now it's so hard for me because you've got to wait like 45 seconds for every time. Oh. So I just, so now what, what I do is I basically program in line, all my CSS in line, all my JavaScript in line. I just work on the page in line. I refresh as normal. And then when I'm done, I migrate it over to like the, the less uh, files and the JavaScript kind of core files. Oh my God. And handlebars and oh God. It gets so it's like over so the much top. crazy stuff. Yeah, you know, I um when I would go up to Uber over the last couple of years, it was like every every trip, it was like once a month or something like that. It was like the, there was another layer to the stack. And it yeah. just got so thick with bullshit. I was just like, I don't even know what, no, what is this? Oh, we use this and we use that. We, it was just impenetrable. And, um, and that was just the, the open source stuff we use. Because you, you forget, I mean, you, you got to take into consideration the huge number of internal libraries that something like Uber has, right? And it was like, it was just impossible. You saw to, the, to, the thing on Hacker News, the guy from Uber, like, talking about that. Did you? Oh, there was, an there was a big video about it, like an hour-long video. Oh, what, what I wish I knew. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, I know that. And I know, I mean, I met that guy. He came in, I think it was from like Voxel or Vox or It was something. a great talk. And he was basically saying that how basically everything is a microservice in Uber. And it's, it's very, very minute microservices that, that are built in many, many different languages. And if, there, if you see a problem with someone's microservice, like in the culture, the way he said, he said this, I don't know if it's true, but... People just build another microservice instead. Oh, okay. I'll, I'm just. I don't know how to fix that. I don't want to go and speak to that guy. I'm just going to build that microservice again in my language. You know. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> it's just a quicker way well, of doing it. Well, we have thousands of developers, which they now do. Thousands of developers. I think it's like a couple thousand. He said thousands. He said they had. They, there's nine thousand repos. Nine thousand yeah, I mean, Git the, repos. So, 
when I started working with Uber, there was three of us, right? Three. And now there's thousands of developers. And I saw it grow. It was like the stop motion photography. You just see, see like every month. <laughs> it was like this exponential. It was ridiculous. And um, yeah, I, I remember like the last year or so that I was working with them, I would um, I work on a project and I, and, and I was work, building stuff that was dependent on some other, a lot of other infrastructure things. And none of the other infrastructure things were really ready. They were really working. He yet. even described this. Yeah, he described this exact problem. I yeah. couldn't. And then I go talk and, and I'd be like, so what? And I, and I asked the guy next to me, do you, do you have any idea? Like, like, how do I get this or that? And he's like, oh, you should go talk to so-and-so. I'm like, who's that? And he's like, oh, it's that guy over there. And I found a room and there's a another team over there. And I go, finally, I end up tracking him down. He's in a meeting somewhere. And I'm like, hey, so I need to do blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, you know, yeah, no, no, I don't. Do, you talk to this other guy. And so I don't talk to like four people or five feet, right? Just point other people, point other people. And then eventually it would point back to the original guy. <laughs> I'm like, all right, wait, listen. <laughs> I'm like going to run around here because like, and the guy's like, oh no, man, that's, I don't, you know, and then, and then, and then, you, or you'd get to some other guy and he'd be like, well, he's like, yeah, I know what you're talking about, but like, that's going to be at least three, four weeks because we've got these other things to do. And, you know, I don't really control that. So it was just, well, something so frustrating. Something that done. he mentioned—that's that's crazy. I mean, that is crazy. It was and just it was just because of the size and the scale of it people. and how fast things were moving. And it was just—I mean, I just found it really hard to operate that way. I mean, when it, when the company was much smaller, I could work remotely, and I had like one person I was kind of working with. I had one contact there who was who was kind of working on it with me. They were sort of my, you know, collaborator, and they could sort of get information and get things done. But when I was working on something and I didn't really have a collaborator, it was impossible remotely. You just couldn't, because even when I was there, I couldn't get answers and was apart. I mean, you were apart and you were trying to contact people through email and hip chat. Good luck. Well, he said that something that's happened now, like that, that, that is a choice that people need to make is, do you release other people's services? Because you, look at, you can look at their service and you can see that it's passing all the unit tests and they've built it up to a point where your stuff is working. And, working in relation to their stuff, but they didn't actually officially release it. But there are times when people have just officially released other people's services and they've maybe come back from vacation and it's like, whoa, my service is now like released. <laughs> like, whoa, what the hell? Yeah. So yeah, it was crazy. I, yeah, you know, I had that, I had that uh, video and I, I, I turned on for about 45 seconds, but then I actually had to get work done. So I paused it. Uh -oh. I mean, yeah. I don't know the guy's name. I, what's his name? I, I, I don't oh, know. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I mean, every time I was up there, because he was, I think he was kind of a, he's like a pretty senior engineer. I mean, he led a team or a team of teams or whatever within the real, what we used to be known as a real-time group, you know? Yeah. So the real-time came out of, so I, as you know, I built the original, okay, the very original, original version of, of the dispatch system. Was PHP Was a PHP it was a PHP thing. It was built by a Mexican uh, consulting firm. Right. Right. It was just kind of a pro prototype. It was like 2,000 lines uh, function called CallFlow. Is what it was. Right. And then I came in and I, you know, we moved everything to, uh, I along with uh, Curtis uh, Chambers, we moved everything over to Node and then I built the first version of what was called the dispatch system. Right. Dispatch. And then the simulator that ran it and all stuff. So, and then, Curtis, along with me, built sort of like the other component called the connection nodes, which is sort of like the front layer, the node balancing kind of stuff. 
And then we built all the inner, all the other kind of supporting libraries. And, and, and Guyon as well had a big hand in some of those things. Uh, he helped with some of those. Yeah, he helps those pieces for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, but then, at, then Amos, who was kind of like a junior dev at that time, like he, after a year in, like he started taking over small pieces of it from me. Like I first gave my, you know, I said, hey, so you can start working with me on the simulator. And which is how we tested this stuff. And then he started working on the dispatch over time. And then he, he kind of came more of a full-fledged, like, equal member of the of the it was basically Amos and I and then Curtis right. would kind of work on this stuff and then the team started to grow and then eventually he became the manager of the real-time team and then real-time went from five people to 10 people to 50 people to like hundreds of people and and I he finally retired from that like <laughs> a year like I don't know six or eight months retired ago. Retired age 23 and a half right? Yeah he's like 27 <laughs> or 28 well I mean it's like it's like dog years or something right I mean like Three years of running, you know, real time is like twelve years. I mean, it was just the amount of stuff that happened and the size um, scale. So, you know but anyway, that, but anyway, so this other guy came yeah. in and he was like a senior guy within real time. You know, real time had basically had its like own couple floors of a building, and uh, I remember seeing him sit around. He was, you know, you'd go up there visit, and I remember that guy is like always sitting on this couch working. And I knew, he, I knew he was. He and a few other guys came over from some other company and. uh Whatever. So that was funny when I saw him doing that. I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I know that dude. So he was saying that I thought you'd find this interesting. You probably know this, but real time is now all written in Go. Oh, yeah. Well, they were starting to make. So a guy named Jeremy um, was the one who started, started playing around with Go back a few years ago. And he, re he rewrote a couple, you know, like a real like inner inner loop in Go. And it was extreme. It was much faster than Node. Yeah. And it was sort of the slow progression where the very time sensitive interloop stuff started being rewritten in Go and there was seeing success with that. And so I guess over time, but I think that's been like the last six to nine months is probably when that's really accelerated. Yeah. That's crazy. Maybe, like, maybe more, maybe a year, something like that. And, but, but, but yet the whole system is very disparate. Like there's people who love Python, there's people who love Go, there's people who love Node or whatever. Yeah. I think or like, Python was a lot of the more back-end stuff. Yeah. And then Node was originally um, the all the real-time stuff, but then that started the, the real-time sensitive aspect of real-time, the real real-time stuff right. started go, becoming more Go, I yeah. think. And then, uh, but you know, I, again, so many developers, so much going on. I, I, don't, I don't really have a, huge, a lot of perspective on Crazy. what it became. It just, it was just... Uh, but I, I did like the guy's analysis. Like another thing that he came up was, you know, what he was really saying was, what does it mean to build everything in microservices versus doing it the old way? Yeah. And uh, he, there was some interesting effects that he came that you wouldn't have thought of. Like there's a personal effect, you know, people, there's not so much reason for people to communicate with each other anymore. So people just kind of stick in their silo. They build their microservice. They don't really talk to anyone. They don't really need to. And if someone else's microservice is broken, rather than going and speaking to them, they just build a new version of it. Right. And just put, push that out in the stack. So, you know, that's kind of something... So rather than, like, cloning and forking repos, it's like a microservice. It's a microservice. Right, yeah. that we actually are running service. So it's rather than non-executing code that's saved in a disk, it's actually executing as something. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's interesting. Um, yeah, so just the human aspect of that. And another thing he was saying was because everyone's writing in different languages, there's, you know, it's, you don't really, you can't really 
build the same strong bonds in the in a relationship sense because you can't talk about the same things. So yeah. you know, oh, this is the this is the Go tri Go tribe. Oh, this is the Python tribe. Right, you know, they're two different tribes. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, well, you really that's right. That's true. Um, well, you know what's funny? There was even like a Chinese. There was a whole team of Chinese guys there on the real time who were working on the real core stuff like last year, and they're all speaking Chinese. <laughs> and I was like ten dudes in the room, all speaking Chinese. You're like, whoa! Like I really can't talk to these guys. Wow, <laughs> Not only yeah. are they writing in Go, I they're speaking. They're talking. They're just in writing Mandarin. in pure math. Yeah, pure math was, and talking Mandarin. It was like, uh, I mean, I know I know that they were really top-notch guys, but I mean, and I think they, a lot of them came over in the last probably year or so, and they were working on the sort of real-time 2.0, the, the new latest incarnation of everything, latest rewrite. But I thought that was funny. Okay, um, change the subject, and then once, so this is one last topic that I'll bring up, because I want, one you, last to, topic. I want you to talk about it. Actually, okay. I, wa I want to ask you about this. Yeah, there was an article that came up on Hacker News that I actually read... <laughs> You read an article. I actually read, oh, wow. which I which I thought you would find surprising, uh, given that it's so out of my wheelhouse. Um, but I thought that you might like to talk about it as well. Okay. Um, a life that added up to something about a guy called Paul Erdos, who's basically Erdish. Erdish. So he's a mathematician. He's a, he's a homeless mathematician who published fifteen hundred papers, who was in some kind of movie, to the point where there on Wikipedia there is an Erdos Bacon number. Okay, so okay, you, no, you, you you actually pronounce it Erdish. Erdish. Oh, with Erdish. The, the the two little. Have you heard about uh, the Erdish Bacon number? Erdish. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, no, it's called the Erdish number. So when you publish a paper, so if your Erdish number is one, that means you public you work you collaborated with them directly. That's, yeah. Sorry. Collaborated with a collaborator. This is yeah. an extra an extrapolation. So so, so it's gone beyond that because you know how there's a Bacon number. Like, but I think Erdish the Erdish number was before uh, degrees of Bacon. Right. So so yeah. now they've combined the two, and it's like. Have you been in a movie and have you been published? Oh. <laughs> right. How what's your Erdish Bacon? It's called an Erdish Bacon number. Oh, yeah. that's funny. Yeah. So I actually, and, I read a book about him called My uh, Brain is Open. Yeah. And uh, years and years ago, he, um, so he was this crazy, not crazy, but he, an eccentric guy. Um, he was, I believe he was Hungarian, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he, he didn't actually have a home. He would literally just go show up to your door. So you're a mathematician and be like, my mind is open. And then like he was staying with you for however long. And your wife would be like, so how long is Paul going to be here? It's like, I don't know. We're like, <laughs> okay. So it might be three days. It might be two weeks. And he would sleep on the couch or wherever. And then he'd be off to go some other, you take him to the train station or the whatever. And he'd go off to the next he'd university. He'd find another town. mathematician. And there was other people he knew he'd, he had, he would, it wasn't like he would just show up to people he didn't know. He would probably write to them, or it was like a, you know, a, a, another mathematician. It was a friend of a mathematician we work with, and say, "Oh, he's an expert on this," and he would just say, "I want to work with." So he'd, well, he'd like want, he'd have a thing in his mind like, "I want to, I want to explore what they've been exploring further, and I want to do it with them." And then they'd publish a paper together. Yeah, I guess I guess that's probably how it worked. You know, he had, and I know he's a he's like fifteen hundred papers is huge. Like. 50 papers, publish 50 papers is a big deal. Is a huge, in a lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so he, I mean, he was incredibly prolific. Nobody was going, is going to even come close to him. And that's all he did. Yeah. You know, he didn't. No um, family, no love, no. Yeah, he was just math, he was just math all, all the all time. Math. Uh, ever since he was, yeah, I still remember, I still remember, what, which article, uh, maybe, I'm trying to which mathematician I was reading about, maybe it was von Neumann or somebody, 
when they were like ran into him when they were younger when they were kids and the kids like 11 or 12 and first he says to him is like how many proofs of the Pythagorean theorem do you know i know 50 <laughs> you're like uh <laughs> 50 proofs of the Pythagorean theorem i mean that's that's the you know how intense he was and enthusiastic but yeah he was quite the character yeah. If you like it, I'll lend you the. Uh, no, I mean, book. I know, well, as soon as I get the other book, I'll probably never read that. But, but I, I really did enjoy reading this piece, and um, we'll link to that in the show notes. And I also thought it was just funny that whole, you know, mixing the Kevin Bacon. How 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 far? How many degrees of separation are you from Kevin Bacon? Yeah. And now the Erdish Bacon number, where you literally because he was in a movie says how many degrees of separation are you from being? Because you you must have been in the in the movies, and each person that you knew must have been in the movies, and they had to have published a paper. So what's the, who's the highest? Is there somebody? Uh, there? It's Carl Sagan, I think. Uh, okay, so Carl he probably, Sagan has he probably a, has like a... A four. That's the closest four. they have? Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Because it says, Astro astronomer Carl Sagan has an Erd Erdish number of no more than four via Stephen J. Ostro and a Bacon number of two for a total of six. So he's actually six. He's the, he's the mm. highest, yeah. Interesting. So uh, anyway. I'm surprised there's not somebody who's a little higher than that here let me show you the um the, the table here there okay oh yes on wikipedia yeah all right who we got patrick billings it's gonna have to be pretty famous people because for them to have been in a movie <laughs> as well as been published um yeah bacon you're right the um noam chomsky seven Spell their name yeah, it's it's the, sum, I, it's the sum total of your bacon number and your air number. The lowest, the better. Okay, cool. Yeah. Anyway, it's kind of it's. Uh, I don't know why I pick up on that thing, but his life seemed incredible. Like just this idea of this this homeless guy yeah, wandering around, a mathematician, just like wandering into people's houses and writing papers with them. Yeah, and of course. Of course, he was a huge deal. So if you got to collaborate with Erdish, it wasn't like, you know, people were put upon. They're like, oh, wow. Oh, yeah, it's like Einstein's just walked in. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, your wife might be like, how long is he staying? You know, or I wish yeah. I knew he was coming because then I could prepare, you know, whatever. But um, you're, you know, assuming you're a mathematician, which is, you know, going to be the case if he's coming to visit you, then that's um, probably a pretty big deal because he, he always had a lot of ideas and stuff. So you're most likely that if you collaborate with him, it's going to, wind up as some as something there's a good chance of it you know it's kind of it's kind of like living a life that's very true to yourself very few people live a life of absolute truth i was just you reading know? an article about that. you know like he's he's really living what he his joy every day just complete joy there's nothing else yeah you know but yeah okay so i was just reading an article a couple days ago it was called the importance of starting i think it was on hacker news all right and uh Didn't see it. you know i was talking to how people basically they procrastinate and a lot of it's out of fear, you know, and that reason people don't do things is, is primarily because of that. And, um, and that, you know, even that when most people get to their lives, it's people regret not being true to themselves. They regret not pursuing their dreams. How many dreams were left unfulfilled or even unattempted? And it's often quite high for people. Um, so that's why, you know, if you're, if you're really uh, sort of, if you're if if you're really looking at your life honestly, you're gonna you know, and, and you're 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 going to like look at what are the dreams that I really what are what are my dreams truly, and let me get started and Please start doing something. Send me a link to that because that's exactly the kind of stuff that I think you that it, a lot of people in the Nugget community need. Like a, a a whole a huge amount of it is 
just making the shift to getting going. Yeah, just, you know, just, I just getting started. So, you know, I, I I will just barely touch on this because he's not here. But I that's something I always push Phil on. So Phil is very very intelligent guy, and he's you know always learning something new. And uh, and I'll be like, let me guess, you take another class, right? <laughs> and he'd be like, all right, all right, you know, because it's you know for some people, and I think you know we all have our are ways that we, things that we use to procrastinate. And one way to to procrastinate doing stuff and really putting, you know, taking a risk is, oh, I'm just going to read this book or take this class. So you know what? Quit quit with all the learning. You know, I, look, I'm a big fan of learning, but you gotta, you have to attach it with doing. But you it know? almost feels like the other fifty percent of people just start but don't finish. That's like, not true. Yeah, that's it, true. It's too. like it's like you fall into one of these two traps: you start but don't finish, or you don't start. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, it's probably all kind of, yeah, all kind of combinations of that. And in the end, the, 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 the overwhelming truth is that um, it's hard to create something, to do stuff. It's hard. That's, you know, not part of your normal habit, that's outside of your, uh, your daily way of living or, you know, your comfort zones, all that kind of stuff. And uh, learning is, is excessive, what I call it, sort of excessive learning. Mm. is sort of a, a, a way to um, a way to sort of hide from, you know, or, or, you know, from putting yourself in the line of fire. It's like, okay, you know, I've, I've taken this class, or I've read this couple books. Now I got to create something that people might think is bad or re people reject or it's going to fail or I'm not to do it, you know, and I know it's hard doing stuff, doing, <laughs> doing stuff is hard, you know, I don't know what this is sort of, Pretty simple, I guess. I'm trying to think of this article. This, this is, is great. Is there like exercises that can help with that? You know, we're talking about doing this like learning slash exercise type thing. Like, is there a way, is there an exercise that you could couple with an, a blog post about, you know, it's important to start? Like what, for example, if you were trying to get Phil to, to commit to doing a startup. Which I do all the time. But, okay. <laughs> but, but what, let, let's say you were trying to get him to do it through some automated course. Like what would you put in there? I guess you do. You actually have him one to one, and you still can't make it happen. So, well, you know, look, and I, I say Phil has done things for sure, but I'm just, and, and I don't, you know, he's not here to defend himself, and he'd be like, all right, listen, you know, because he, so look, oh, he's done, he, yeah, he's done a lot, but I, I noticed that his particular way of procrastinating is through learning. Other right. people will 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 say, well, I'm too busy. They will busy themselves with other things. The time or whatever. thing is a huge. I just don't have time. I don't have time, yeah. right? Or they just they don't. But prioritize. no one doesn't have time. That's, you, you that's the honest it. truth. Like, you can always put an hour a day. You can always put a half hour a day. Yeah. No one doesn't have time. They're just opting not to do they it. They say they're they they're prioritize other things. Higher. Yeah. So there's this. It's funny. This. Um, I was reading this great article about. It was really interesting. I think it was Atlantic. It was about Sam Altman, who's now who runs Y yeah. Combinator, and he had this uh, quote on the on, on his wall apparently which I love. So I just, I just actually emailed it to myself. So I could, he was says, uh, this is by Admiral Hyman Rickover. I guess he's the one who, who sort of instigated the creation of the nuclear Navy. Um, he says, the great end of life is not knowledge, but action. I believe it is the duty of each of us to act as if the fate of the world depended on him. We must live for the future, not for our own comfort or success. And, you know, it, it reminds me a little bit of um, Elon Musk's first wife. 
uh, an answer on course you gave. Someone said, well, how, what, what do you attribute to Elon's success or did it, something, something like that. And one thing she said is that, you know, you have to be in service of something bigger than yourself. If it's all just about enriching yourself or making yourself famous, it's kind of hollow. You know, it doesn't really inspire other people. Um, it doesn't, um, it doesn't have that kind of staying power. But when you're doing something that's bigger than yourself, it's bigger than, than your own ego and personality, it, 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 it not only gives you more of a sort of a downhill, like it puts a wind at your back, you know, because you're, you're, you're doing something for the right reason. But also it attracts people mm. to your cause. You know, people are like, you know what? Yeah, let's go to let's go to space. Let's go to Mars. Let's build electric. I mean, these are these are like, you know, as opposed to like, oh, let's create like the ultimate dating app or something. It's like, mm. oh, all right, you know. I mean, it, it's not only because he's trying to do something isn't just about like, oh, let's let's build a company and we'll flip and we'll make money. You know, I mean, that's just not real inspiring, right? Mm -hmm. But it's like, yeah, I totally agree. You know, we have these major problems on our planet and we need to start addressing them. And uh, and uh, here are. And you know, here are a couple of things that we're going to do that are of major scale, and uh, and he's doing them. You know, and I know a lot of people have problems with Elon Musk for this, that, and the other reason, but you know, that's you can't really say that he's not in service of things that are bigger than himself. Yeah. You know, so and that's the same thing that this uh, this guy Admiral Hyman Rickover is saying. You know, it's yeah, like, I like it. Nice. You must not live for the for the future. You, we must live for the future, n not for our own comfort or success. You know, and the thing I love, I think this would be a good blog post right here, is we were just, Sadie and I were just watching the movie Deadpool the other day. You, you see Deadpool? Remind me what it's about? Are they superhero or he's like a vigilante? Oh, I haven't seen it, no. Oh, no. It's, 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 it's actually pretty good. I mean, it's, it's ultra violent. Yeah. And um, Ryan Reynolds is the actor. He's yeah. just, he's kind of like this motor mouth guy, right? <laughs> he's, he's just funny. a total trash guy. It's hilarious. Um, but one thing he would say, he said a couple, I think at least once or twice in there, it's like right before he's going to go and like fight like 15 guys, he's like, maximum effort. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that. I look for my well, maximum effort. That'd be a great title for a blog post. Maximum effort. You yeah. know, like just grit your teeth. Just do it. Quit with yeah. all the whining. I don't procrastinate. Just maximum effort. Just do. Just mm. say that to yourself and then do it. Right? Maximum effort. Yeah. Isn't that great? <laughs> I want to get that into people's heads, you know? Maximum effort. So, um... Get rocking. Get rolling. Well, here, I want to ask you, before, before we yeah, sure. get off, you know, nugget-related stuff, because I want to... So, what, how's the revenue and stuff? Is it still um, going up? Or are you... What it, are you, you know, it's going up, but it's, um, it's, it's, uh... Plateauing a little? Yeah, plateauing. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. So, you... Because that, that's showing you... You're saying, okay, now it's time to go to the next phase. Right. Now we got to add on. Well, the, the reason why it's plateauing is there's only really been there's only really been three events that have publicized it. Okay. So one of them was the product hunt. The first the, the very first one was it got mentioned in in a comment on Hacker News because one of the texting listeners had mentioned it. It was it, it was just a homepage at that point and that you could just sign up. So it was mentioned on Hacker News. So we got a couple of hundred people from that. Uh, from that comment on Hacker News. Then the next thing was we kind of got it ready to launch it and it was launched and it was on Product Hunt. And we got, you know, a decent amount of traffic through. And then the next thing was I did the, you know, um, don't start big, start a little snowball right, yeah, blog yeah. post that was on Hacker News and did pretty well and had like 300 points or whatever. 
So from, from those three events, all of the, that's the locked surface area, if you will. Mm -hmm. And so I've been trying to do other things, but it, it hasn't stuck. So I'm kind of going through the, the kind of traction framework, really. Well, so I'm trying to do, so I'm, yeah, I'm just trying to do on. a lot of other different things. And I haven't found one that's sticking. Yeah, I'm I mean, gonna I, keep I on think doing you keep it. generating, you got to keep really good articles. You know, right. I think, you know, it's like not everyone's going to hit, but you got to, it's like you. Well, that's just one channel though, right? Yeah, that's no, one channel, but so, you got to keep working that. You could keep yeah. working it, you know? Mm -hmm. So, because Hacker News, but here's the other thing, like, I feel like Hacker News isn't something you can hit more than once or twice a yeah, year. Yeah, that's right. You're right. You know? You're right. I mean, there's a certain like, level. Of, yeah. So. But, you know, a lot of people read stuff or they just don't, they don't I mean, it comes up there. You get it multiple times because some people, like, they don't read it every day, you know, or they missed it or they didn't go into the comments and click on a link, you know. Yeah. So. And there's, there's a knock-on effect that you get from the Hacker News stuff. Like, for example, that thing, you know, it's being posted in, in a couple of, like, Hacker News magazines and things like that. But now there's, what, 730 people in one list and... Uh, just looking here online here and there's 2,500 so there's like a three there's almost a three and a half thousand people on the mailing list that I got in and though you know there's uh, those of those a certain amount have converted to paying customers um, there's around about 100 paying customers right now great um, that's really it's kind of okay I mean it's, it's pulling in a little under 4,000 a month at this point um, there is a bit of a churn issue um, sure. which I think at the moment, I'm getting something like 150 people coming to the site every day. And of those 150, there's like, you know, maybe one conv person converting or whatever. And I think that right now, if I don't do any more promotion, it's probably just going to stay at this mark because the churn yeah. is yeah. going to equal the amount of people signing up. Yeah. So you got to, you got to, yeah. Well, this is kind of funny because this is kind of where Plugio Max, this is familiar was. sticking familiar point for sticking you. So you got to right. bust through this. Sticking well, but point. but, yeah. but one of the one of the issues is the churn because the churn is like high right now because, in its own right, Nugget the way that it works is you sign up, you get a bunch of nuggets every day, and you're kind of left to fend for yourself unless I end That's up slapping right. you. That's right. You gotta yeah. because either one of you know eventually what's going to happen is. You know, people are excited about coming with an idea, and then eventually they realize they're not going to do anything with them, and then well, it is, they still feel exactly, bad. And they still feel guilty every that's time. That's what the churn is, because people, I, I can see, like they're favoriting three or four ideas, and they're like, "Yes, that's really good," but then they're not moving forward with it, yeah, right? Yeah. So they're like, "Huh? Well, I've kind of got what I wanted. I've got these great ideas, but I'm not moving forward." So then, then, then what happens is the system automatically emails them and says, "Hey." Yeah. Notice his ideas. If you want to do them, like, why don't you start with our, you know, our, um, you know, startup on Rails or framework, whatever you yeah. call it. And, 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 it, and maybe the first three or four steps are free. You know, the first, first you know, few stages, right? Gives them a few weeks of like, of, of, of steps. Well, that assumes that you've got the nugget, which is at, the, at, at present, that's what you pay for. To right, get right, the right. Well, this is the name, you know, right. So they have a nugget. And then they paid to get the nugget. Right. So, in other words, they would already be a paid member of the community. Yeah. It wouldn't need to be a free This is the upsell. Oh, you upselling this other stuff? Yeah. Or is it just part of the same? No. No, I would. You know, this is like, I think you upsell this to the next level. I mean, like. Oh, so this, one, one this thing, whole other platform that I'm building is a different thing? A yeah. Different I mean, this is just like the lobby. Getting your nuggets. It's like, okay, you ready to go to the next level? This is, okay. this is, this is where we get serious. Like, this is just giving you ideas. Now, 
But, now, I, but, but everyone who's in the system should be grandfathered in to the next one. Oh, I don't think so. Oh, you are you mercenary. No, I mean this is mercenary. Yes, there's a friend. ton of new stuff that you're building. This is this is take no, no. I mean, they what they're getting is what they signed up for is a lot of ideas, and they're getting that. And they but you know if you raise the price on that or whatever, but you're like okay, I'm creating this whole new second stage of framework, which is all about action. Like this is the ideas. Now it's action, and the action is ninety eight percent of it, right? As we've talked about over, like the idea is just the is the just. Well, the, then you, you should know. then you should make the. I'm not saying I'm going to do this, but I'm just saying. Going by that theory, you should make the ideas free so to, to get a maximum influx of people. And then when people pick an idea, you then, ch you then bring them onto the paid platform. So you should have yeah, like I, I would, you I know, would. the whole three and a half thousand people in the getting the ideas thing. And then once they've got one, you move them over into the paid platform. Maybe. I don't know. I think you could charge just for being in like a level one. But as soon as you want to go up to like, you know, the next level. I mean, it's all, it, it's, it's all baking, right? So, the, so it's, it's all kind of. Yeah. Well, right we'll anyway, yeah. that's. Yeah. I'm just saying. I think you got a lot of value there, um, if you create something like this, and um, a lot more value than just the nuggets. The nuggets. I'm not saying they aren't valuable. Right. But getting, you know, <laughs> taking someone who like likes an idea to actually launching a startup is huge. Well, so deal. here's an interesting thing. Uh, something else that I kind of wanted to mention, but I don't want to overdo the discussion of nugget. But I do think you'll find this interesting. When I look at the other programs that are out there that are like this or even in the ballpark it's like five thousand bucks you know it's like massive amounts of money and i think that they do that for two reasons i think they one of the reasons is so that they can get this really big lead pool and then the other reason is because if someone puts in five thousand bucks they're gonna do something <laughs> right you know um so that's another whole piece that needs to be considered i just don't know well, I mean, I the best stuff you can play, you got stuff you yeah. can play around with. But first step, I think, is just kind of getting a better sketch out of how, how yeah. it's going to work. Yeah. But I like it. All right. Um, so I really want to hear about your stuff. Math Academy. So what was the last thing that I that stuff that I told you about? And, well, well, because on the show, what did we talk? How long ago was the show? Like six weeks ago? Yeah, a while ago. I mean, I think that what? on the show you spoke about the fact that you had rollout. Did we? Who um, had had had, had the, we launched yet? Yeah. Had the school year started? Yeah. I, I, Oh, maybe that was what we spoke about at the football pitch. Yeah. Oh, maybe that wasn't on the show. Check check out when the last show was, because our last. I mean, that was probably a week. We published it probably a week after we actually recorded it, right? Or do you have actually the date of the recording? Mm, no, but uh, July twelfth. That was when it was published. What? So, our last show was July twelfth. Oh wait. Two ninety nine. Wrong show. Wrong show. Uh, August 24. So, okay. So we had, we were like, uh, after like a week of school. So actually it was probably just so many, I think you had school started like the 15th or 17th. So maybe it was just the first day. Of I think school. you had said it was a week. Yeah. 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 Right. Right. So we just started. Right. 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 Okay. So, um, one thing, one thing that was, was kind of unfortunate that happened is, you know, we tried to hire two mathematicians. Yeah. Do you remember one guy? One was full time, Haran, and um, Guillermo was our, our was going to work part time, do it two days a week. But at the last minute, he uh, like literally like the day he was supposed to sign that we we sent him the contract, and he called me up, and he's like, "Yeah, I can't do it." Um, I guess his his daughter's in college, and the amount that we were going to pay him would just be completely absorbed by the financial aid package. 
So he'd be driving up from Irvine twice a week and basically would see no net financial see. gain from it. So yeah. he and his wife just decided that that was not too much. Wasn't it, enough. It wasn't a, It wasn't gonna work. I mean, it's, that's the problem with the way these financial aid things work is that they just they're so expensive. Yeah, they get financial aid, but they'll they'll take away everything you make above and beyond like a very basic amount of money. And so there's no incentive during that time to make any more money. So he's better off not working. Yeah. Well, because he, I can't remember what he said exactly, but it was something like his wife worked two more months or worked, got a big raise or something, and every bit of it just got absorbed the previous year. So that's why coming to this, they're just like, you know what, forget it. So that's pretty bad because you really like the Guillermo guy. I like, like both of them. They're great, you know. And, and he was, a, he's like a published, he both was of published. Them are. No, yeah. yeah, I mean, he was, he was graduate summa cum laude from Moscow State University in mathematical yeah. physics. I mean, this guy's like legit. And um, he was super into it and everything, but he just, from a financial perspective, it just was not going to work. And um, anyway, so unfortunately, he told that, I mean, he told that to be like the first week of September. Mm-hmm. You know, like we were supposed to start, or even later than that, we were supposed to start the fifth grade classes. He was going to teach two or three fifth grade classes and at, at these three different schools. So he would just. That go, is not when you want to find out, like just a week before you launch. Yeah, like the sixth grades had already launched. Sixth, seventh grades. Hiran was teaching the sixth grade at Sierra Madre Middle. I was in at Washington. Or no, he wasn't even doing that yet. And I was teaching this my seventh grade class at McKinley. And so then we're just, you know, you know, Helen, gave, she said, all right, you know, I sent the contract. To, she's the director of curriculum. She sent the contract to Guillermo. And she's like, could you follow up with him? And then, you know, I call him up. And I'm like, hey, what's going on? He's like, oh, you know, I can't do it. So I'm just like, ah. It's funny how life just always throws shit at you. Just when you think you got it together... Yeah. So what, how did you overcome it? So I was like, well, I mean, first of all, I didn't hold it against him. I understood. I wish that he had, I wish that he had kind of earlier, wish he'd like thought it through earlier. I mean, we were paying him a good chunk of money for two days a week. He wasn't like he was being underpaid. We were paying him well. He didn't project himself into the future soon enough. uh, Yeah. I just hadn't really thought it through, I guess. And whatever. So, um, so then Helen was like, well, what are we going to do? And I said, you know what? I'll just teach the sixth grade class. (laughs) You know, and Sandy's and Sandy agreed to teach the fifth grade class until we could find somebody else. So, um, but I told I told her I said, look, I you know McKinley's two blocks down the street from me. Like, I want to teach at McKinley. I'm not going to go teach over at Washington or those other places, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, Jason ne- Jason never does anything that's more than two blocks away. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> I'm not driving off Altadena. You crazy? Um, <laughs> It's like three miles away, you know. <laughs> that's um, why we're recording the show at Jason's house. <laughs> that's right. So, um, yeah. Uh, and so Horan would then teach the, fi- the sixth grade at Washington Middle and the fifth and sixth grades at Sierra Madre. So he only has one, two schools to teach at. Sandy teaches the fifth grade at McKinley. This is where the whole program started, where my kids are at. Yeah. And then I teach the sixth grade and the seventh grade class. Right. So the fifth and, and originally... The fifth and sixth grade, well, okay, I'll talk about this more in a second. So, but what's really funny though is when the first day that Horan was going to teach a class, uh, he taught the, that, that I was able to sit on was the sixth grade class at McKinley. So he had it for two weeks, you know, because they launched right with the first day of school or whatever, second day of school in, in August. So, what, so I'm sitting in there with, I think one of the math coaches from the district and we're kind of just, cause she's kind of coaching a little bit and how to manage a class and interface with the principal. And I was likewise, I had given a whole 
written a whole document on like how to run a math academy class and here are all the heuristics like do this don't do this this will work this is probably what you're gonna see you know kind of stuff and so i'm sitting in there and i was kind of sad because the sixth graders were a lot of kids were on the fifth grade math team that i had taught mm. i coached the year before so cassini and i coached the fourth through eighth grade math teams and there were particularly there was like a handful of girls who i really had a lot of fun with that i really liked and i was like oh you know like i'm just sucks i don't get to teach them so then when this whole thing you know changed i was like i get to teach them i get to teach <laughs> the sixth grade my sixth grade class and um I mean, this is the kind of girl, these are the kind of kids, like I, when I walk in the hall, they'd all run up and give me a hug, that kind of stuff, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, it's, it's just, you know, you kind of have a connection with them, right? Yeah. And uh, so I took over the sixth grade class and that has actually turned out to be at least as fun as my seventh grade class, which is doing calculus. They are, they started with adding and subtracting with negative numbers. They did not know how to subtract five from two. I'm like, what's five? What's two minus five? Seven? Right. I mean, that's, that's what we're talking, that's the level at. We're like halfway through algebra one, six <laughs> weeks in. We're gonna be more than done without, you know, probably a good chunk of algebra one and algebra two, and even probably a lot of geometry, and then some by winter break. I think they're gonna be ready for calculus next year, in one year. I Is think it we're gonna possible go from that Z it's you? It's a little bit me, and I'll explain, but it's not, it's not entirely me. Shouldn't we try and capture that and get that on tape and get that, like, Khan Academy style, like, out there well, for as many people as possible? It's, it's me in the sense of what I'm doing, but other people can do it, you All know? Right. I mean, it's not that I'm the only one who can do this. It's just like, I, you know, so, so give me an example. So I, so I take over Haran's class two weeks late. And the first couple weeks, he didn't get much done. The first day is like... Hi, my name is Dr. Maharaj. I'm going to do this. And then it was like a, the second day was like a, you know, here's a little assessment test for you. And then the third, you know, so like they didn't really get much done. So when I time I took them over, they had covered just some basic arithmetic um, stuff. And, and then within like th two weeks, I was already like a week ahead of him. And their class, when I say ahead of him, his sixth grade class he teaches at Sierra Madre Middle School. And Sierra Madre Middle School has class five days a week. We only have it three days a week. And so I asked him, I said, Horan, what? I said, so how many topics are you covering for, for class? He's like, oh, we do one topic per class. I'm like one? And it was funny, Sandy and I were doing a conference because we do these Monday conference calls with the three of us. And Sandy looks at me and she's just like, no, he's gotta, he's gotta go faster. And I'm like, Horan, not one, three. He's like, three topics? I'm like, three. I'm like, look, fire hose. Like you just, it's like, I'm like, how many problems so you introduce a new topic, let's call it factoring quadratics or simplifying exponential expressions or something. How many problems do you do? He's like, oh, like maybe like 15. Like he'll, he'll actually have to do 15 problems. I'm like, you know, 15 to 20. And I'm like, you know what? Five. Five is good. And then move on to another topic. He's like, five? I'm like, yeah. Because he, he's like, because this sounds like crazy talk, right? Normally, they would cover like a topic or maybe a topic and a half tweaks in a week. And so he's doing a topic a day, and I'm like, you can do three in a day. So I mean, it just sounds crazy, right? Yeah. But I'm does. like, look, here's what you do. You get in, you go, all right, guys, ready? Here we go. 
Solving uh, equations with uh, radicals. Bang, bang, bang. See how this works? Okay, let's do five. And then, and then they're all kids. Then you start calling but kids. But has he and... picked up to that now? Yeah, so... Yeah, so it's interesting. Yeah, he goes... He, at first, he's just like, okay, kind of hesitant. And I wasn't sure he was going to do it. And Sandy, afterwards, she's like, he's got to go faster, you know? And I'm like, yeah. And so he calls it a week later. And he's in our, 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 our call a week later, he's like, he's like, it's amazing. I, I took your suggestion. And now the kids are really loving it. Because mm. it was it was too slow and repetitive for them. Yeah, yeah. Doing even one topic a day. Yeah. Because I said, yeah, these are gifted kids. They have the capacity to learn at six times the rate of the kids you're the at the learning rate of a typical class. So six times. At least six times. So sprint. And when and he's like, Yeah, he's like, it's strange. It's like I'm I'm the faster I go, unless the the more engaged and more enthusiastic they are. I'm like, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's sort of strange, but you'd think they'd get kind of overwhelmed, but they get energized, and then like a pack of wolves, they're all jumping over the chair. Let me answer. I got the answer. And you're just like, guys, calm down. You know, let me call one person at a time. Yeah. And they just start. Um, and, you know, it's funny. Like, uh, this one girl, Clara, it was funny. I, she goes, it was like half of the class. She's like, I can't hold all this in my brain. It's about to explode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, you better, because we got another topic today. She's like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so, so now he's moving at a much faster pace and having a lot of success with it. And he just emailed me um, uh, Friday. He said that he, he asked how many kids took this class on their own. And they said like every single kid at, in his class of their 16 kids raised their hand and they were all forced to by their parents. None of these kids wanted to take a second math class because the way it works at Sierra Madre is Math Academy this year is an elective. Go so ahead. they don't get to do, you know, I don't know, visual arts or tennis mm. or some fun, you know, yeah. thing. They have to do a second math class, which is like punishment to kids, especially given their experience with what math is like or has been. Yeah. And he said, well, how many of you would like to do this in place of your math class? And said so they all enthusiastically, absolutely, yeah. They want to do it. Oh, yeah. Except for one kid. And I'm like, yeah, there's always one kid who would rather coast and it's a little hard for them. Um, in my class... The, it was funny, like, uh, about a week ago, the kids were clamoring, like, well, we only do this three days. Why, why can we do this every day? Why can we only do it three days a week? And I said, well, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know if we can do it. I mean, that's just the days they gave us. I don't know if we could do it, you know. And then funny enough, the vice principal, right as I'm walking out, he comes up and he says, hey, Jason, um, would it be possible that we could move the class from the morning into the afternoon? The sixth grade teachers have... This Widers workshop program going on, and it kind of interferes with that. And it would be much better for them if they just, if they came in the afternoon. I said, "Yeah, I think we could work that out." I said, "But how about uh, we do Fridays then?" <laughs> and he's like, "All right, fine." <laughs> I'm like, "Yes." So, so, we, got, four days so we got four days instead of three. So the kids are really excited about it. Um, and you know, this one, this one girl, Madison, she comes out. She says, she told me that she's like, "Yeah, math used to be my least favorite subject. Now it's my favorite." <laughs> and and, awesome. I, and they and the girls in particular, like when they leave, they're like thanking me as they leave. They thank you, thanks. They're leaving the class. I mean, that's the and so that's how into that's awesome. it they are. Yeah. So, and now they they're the grade behind Colby. Yes. Yeah, so they're yeah. they're all like yeah they're yeah Colby's in seventh. They're on sixth. Um, although some of them are, I don't think are, maybe, are about his age and we are because Colby's really young for his grade. So they're all like on eleven, okay. ten turning eleven, kind of thing. Um. 
or 11. Yeah, they're say 11. Um, but yeah, we are we are going going fast. Um, so we have it at we have a total of 74 kids in the district now. Mm. Um, now I'm working on hiring this guy who dropped out of his PhD program at Caltech and he's taught at some gift, a couple of gifted academies and he's, um, he's actually doing some startup stuff on the side and you know, really, really interesting guy, really smart guy. Um, it looks like he's, he's a surfer guy, you know, surfer looking <laughs> guys. It's funny. Um, and, uh, we're going to try and have him take over some of the fifth grade classes at some of the other school. They're not take over, but because there's other schools that want to do this, but we just don't have any instructor hours available. Yeah. You know, so if we can get him, we can maybe get another 25, 35 kids. You're going to keep your class? You're, oh, yeah. You're I'm, with not, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep these kids for the three years. Like, I, these are my, you know, the sixth of seventh grade, they're like my kids. Okay. Nice. So, um, yeah, I, they're, they're just so enthusiastic and they're just so, so much fun, you know. So you're going to teach you're going to teach four days a week for the next three years. Well, I teach my fifth grade, my seventh grade class. I'm sorry. I teach my seventh grade class five days a week. Oh, so you do, you do five days a week, one class and four days a week, another class. Right. So Mondays I only so have one So you kind of have, you have like pivoted to be a, a teacher. I guess you could say that in a way. <laughs> I mean, no, I not in a way. I mean, you are a teacher. You are now a teacher. Like, yeah. But yeah. I mean, a, a fair chunk of every day is teaching. Yes, it is. It is. Kids. But then, then I'm back home working on the software or I'm um, or working on the curriculum or running around talking to trying to raise money from donors and things like that. So, you know, I'm running the program, but also I happen to teach a couple of classes, mm. you know. Um, so it's if all I had to do is teach a class. I mean, that would be a lot of work, but that's that's only part of it. Do you see this? I mean, are you any closer to thinking that this is going to pivot into something, some kind of nonprofit thing oh, yeah. or some Absolutely. funded thing or? Oh yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, my my as I've you know my long term plan is I want this to become a national movement. I think we get what we have. We can when we can demonstrate repeatable success and a little bit of scale. We're going to get a ton of press, and when we get that press. Other districts are going to be forced into chasing after us because the parents are going to pressure them. Yeah. And then we're going to have an entire software platform that can facilitate this stuff in place that anyone can access online, and you know a whole program. So I think. That's, that's my ultimate plan, you know. Um, or Khan Academy was like this, sort of this passive learning, you watch videos and stuff. Um, Math Academy is going to be a very active, you know, uh, a doing platform. You don't just go and watch a video, you do problems and, and you know, you work through, and you're constantly leveling up to the next thing and, and yeah. everything. So, um, you know, I mean, Kind of like having, we'll have like a few problems for you to do, but that's not really about doing. It's more just supplementary learning, at least at the stage. Um, but yeah, so that's 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 the long term plan, right? So we we got to you know get this district all the way up through twelfth grade and expand it out, so we have a lot of different schools into it. But you know, my ambitions stretch far beyond just one school district. I think you know, if you what do you do you have a, like a a thought on? I mean, now that you you're getting a sense of pace now. So do you have a thought on how long it might take? Is it going to take like a five, 10 years kind of thing? Sure. Yeah. You can't really do anything in a year or two. Yeah. Three. I mean, it's, this is a five to 10. I mean, this is more like a 10 year. 10 year project. 10 year project. Yeah. School time as well. Right. Every year you've, it's in yearly cycles. Yeah. It's in year cycles. It's going to yeah. take years. Yeah. Um, but the thing about it is, you know, it's this whole day of, of being in service of something bigger than yourself. It's like, 
I mean, this is this is something that I believe in. It isn't about like, oh, how can I, you know, go make a million dollars or something, or how can I get VC funding and give myself a job? And no, yeah. you know, this is how do I change the world? How do I how do I fundamentally impact things in a positive way that has long term value to the world? Do you think that there's an element of so many people can't do that or feel like they can't. I mean, I, I mean, people who can think like what you just said there, uh, it, that's not everyone. Out of every hundred, what do you think? Two? Can think, I mean, a lot of people can think like that. The question well, is, but, but just, doing... just really get knuckled into doing something that's going to change the world. Well, I don't, I've very met very few people in my life, so it's a lot less than two out of a hundred. I mean, how many people you know are really actually trying to change the world? Well, so we... I mean, that's all the people you know, the thousands of people, how many people are really trying to change the world? Not very many. Hardly any, right? They're just trying to make it. They're, you know, they're trying to get a better job. They're trying to make money so they can have some more independence or freedom. They're, most people are just trying to get by. So, so we're saying that. You're saying that. Like you, you just said, you know, Elon Musk's first wife said that about Musk. And you're saying that there. <clears throat> but does it mean anything? Does it like, even though we're saying it. It doesn't mean anything unless you do anything about it. But it, it, it like, for example, there's a thousand people listening to this right now. Is it going to, does it mean anything to those people? I don't know. I mean, what do you mean? What do you mean to impact them? I, guess, I we'll... guess, yeah. Can we, can we like, I, I guess because I'm doing, because I'm working with Nugget, I'm thinking about how do you do Inception? Inspire people. How do you do Inception on people? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, I how do we make, because it's like, you kind of want to up the odds about this stuff. Like you really want people to do stuff, like to, to just change. Well, so like, here's how the thing. Do you I mean, get that to happen. I kind of, in some ways, it, I kind of lucked into being in this kind of situation. You know, it's like a lot oh, of times, yeah. a lot yeah. of times, you know, it's because I, I started doing something. You know, I started coaching this math class, uh, this math team in fourth oh, yeah, grade. That, started, you had no machinations at that point. You but it just, just kind of evolved. Yeah. And then I started to see an opportunity as I went along. And things, and then when it was the, when it was the superintendent, came to me and said, hey, Jace, can you help me create this pilot program? That kind of stuff. You know, so then it's then it you followed your bliss. And then from following your bliss, something came out of that. I was having this discussion with Phil the other day. I was saying, like, what is your undercurrent? Because you this, this is like your undercurrent, this this math, this teaching. This, it's kind of been a thing that you've really... It's been bubbling under there, I've noticed. Like, even since we met. Like, it's just something... Like, it's a love. Like, it's just this thing, right? Well, I, yeah. It's, I mean, it's this undercurrent of Jason. Of what? Of, like, education <laughs> yeah, like, or just, learning? Just, or? like, wanting to have... Like, Wanting to help kids, wanting to, to oh. the whole math thing, like you've always had that had a love for it. Like it's been this unspoken thing that's there in you. Yeah. And I want, and I wondered with Phil, I was like, do you have something like that? Like, is there a thing in you that you are always, you know, it's like this kind of bu thing that's bubbling under the surface. You do, you do this thing. And you know, he, I mean, and I, I wonder, is that a way of inspiring people, like to to get introspective and think about. What do people know you for? Like, I know, I know one thing that people know me for is for trying to turn everything into a business. Yes. Like, that is my thing that I just right. can't stop myself yes. doing. Yes. Um, and th you're doing this thing that you can't stop yourself doing. I wonder if, if each one of us has something like that. Like, there's just this, like, almost your friends would make fun of you about it thing, you know? Right. That you could then just focus in on, like, wait a second, just focus in on that and see what happens. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean... Every, every, you know, people have things that they like, 
But a lot of times people like it's just about um, entertainment. Oh, I like to go out to eat. And I like to read. And I like to travel. And I like to ride my bike. Or like, you know, it's just self It's just, it's just sort of a way of amusing themselves or making them li- their lives more fun. It's not like there's a passion of something that they want to do or something they believe in, you know? I don't know. Um, but I have to say that this is something that crystallized. I mean, there are all these elements of things that I had strong opinions about and I, and everything started to come together. You know, it's like when I was, when I was teaching the fourth grade with co I said co-coaching with a math, fourth grade math team with Sandy two days a week. And I started to say, you know, like, this is really good. Maybe we can do an, a, 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 you know, pull out next year. And Sandy's like, oh God, you know, and I started to see a little bit of something, but then ne- the next year when I started, when I actually started to pull out, I, and I really saw what we were able to do. I, I started talking like, you know, I feel like we got lightning in a bottle here. This is really, and Sandy's just like, you're crazy. Like the bureaucracy and red, the red tape, the budget issues, the union issues. There's just no way. There's just no way. And she was speaking with some knowledge because she had been on the board of the PEF and she had, but I was like, I don't care. I think we can do it. So, but what I'm saying is I got in, I got a toehold on something. I started doing something, not just sitting around. I, you know, and by the fact of just putting in a position of doing something, um, it's, it's like, you know, you're, you're creating opportunity for yourself. You're creating, you know. It's what Jessica Livingston said, like, you know, how, how not, how to build a startup that doesn't fail is the, the first thing is do something. Most people don't do anything, right? <laughs> they don't start. They don't do anything. They go to a conference. They sit around and they listen to like how to launch and stuff, or they read articles, but they don't do anything. And do you got to do stuff. It's like my my you know my advisor in high school he used to Steve Segura used to say doing stuff is good. He's like most teenagers just sit around and just hang out. Hanging out is bad. You need to do something. I wonder if if Catalyst if you could have gone down this direction with Catalyst, but what stopped you was. The, the traction with the kids, like they didn't progress at the same rate. So you're seeing this massive progression with the kids in math that you didn't see in the program. Yeah, well, because it's one day a week. One day you a week. You can't, yeah. you, you just, one day a week just doesn't cut it. You're not going to make that much progress one day a week. And I didn't enjoy it as much. It was kind of exhausting and stressful. It's difficult because you've got the tech, the whole tech side of things at the same time. It's not nearly as fun for me. Teaching math yeah. is way more fun than teaching computer. I like programming, but I don't really like teaching it. It's yeah. sort of, there's something about it that's frustrating um, to do. Um, I mean, I'm glad that Doug is doing with MV Code Club and yeah. I don't actually have to do it myself. How's MV Code Club going? This is Jason's uh, angel investment. Uh, it's going well. We got like five locations and- Five locations? Yeah, we opened one in Redwoods, like kind of Redwood City and San Francisco, Bonaire. I remember you said that Mill if Valley. you had three, that would be the time that you'd you'd be thinking about. Yeah, we're we're you know he's doing interesting he, stuff. Yeah, I mean it's. Yeah, he's. But now you got five. Yeah, five. One's like a like a pop up location. It's not every day. Like we rent some space, right? You right. know, as opposed to, but. Yeah, I mean it's it's a work in progress. You know, it's coming okay. along. We got. A lot of great curriculum. A lot of you know, we have a lot of kids. It's growing. Do you think your investment's worth more than you invested? Seventy-five thousand, I put in. Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> uh, nice. Quite a bit. Now, how big that'll become, how successful, I don't know, but um, I believe in it. I think it's going to work. But you know, back to the um, back to math chemistry. So let me sure. There's a lot. There's a lot more to to this stuff that's going on. So, um, we had 
so there's this guy who's a anonymous uh donor like he's put in money to some some big stuff you mentioned him in the last show and used no it's a different guy oh okay another guy oh two big anonymous anonymous there's donors. more than one big fish in pasadena there's okay. a number of big fish so he um he's a guy who uh funded some other big mathematics prize and he came with his small entourage and sat in on my seventh grade class Sandy came in and talked him through it and stuff. And uh, it was like one of those showcase things that I had him doing a combination of, of, of proofs and calculus problems. And after the kids were done, and of course it's crazy, the kids are just, as you, as I've, they're just, you know, yelling out answers, da 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 you know, and it's just kind of a little, a little bit crazy. And I was like, I, and afterwards I said, I apologize how crazy it was, but this is how it always is. So, <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, no, but they actually stood up and they were, uh, it was a standing ovation. Oh wow! After the kids like that, like they were just that impressed with what the kids were doing. So that's awesome. Then we all went out to lunch. Went to Houston's, and we had like this two-hour lunch. And he's like, you know, we so basically they fund their company funds, um, they invest in companies, private equity, venture capital, something like that. And he looked at me and he's like, he's always said, you know, our he's like, you know what? We're not experts in technology, for instance. He's like, but we find people. Uh, he's like, we find great people who are experts, like yourself, and then we give them the resources they need. And he said that, like yourself, like a, like you, <laughs> a couple times right at me and just put a nothing, you know, gesture nice. to me. I was like, okay, so this is going well, because because I I had. You know, I had gone off for like 45 minutes of just like the whole vision of the program and why it's going to work and all this stuff. And it was funny. I was eating my lunch and he kept saying, Jason, take a bite. Jason, eat your food. Because everybody's like, what, you know. what kind of capacity would they be talking about working with you? Like for, as, an, as a pro bono type capacity or? No, we, we like need a, his funding. But I mean, is it investment for return or is no, it just no, investment? No, 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 no. So they, they it's do. just giving money no, for. No, 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 no. So they invest in companies, but they also do what they call philanthropic investment. He's yeah. like, we'd like to find people who can really make an impact and, we, and give them resources to but make that still, impact. But still, is that investment that they're no, looking for a return no, on investment? No, this is philanthropy. Okay, right? yeah. Philanthropy is never trying. So yeah. this is, yeah, so he's, he's been, done a lot of philanthropic, you know, or donation, what do you want to call it? I'm just calling it a philanthropic investment, but. Yeah. But the way I look at it is they don't like to just give money because they just, a lot of times you give money things and it's like, what was the impact? What, whereas... You know, I, one, one reason they were attracted to this is they could see how clearly it was moving the needle. And it was that's awesome. very measurable and very um, clear. Um, so anyway, we'll see what happens with that. So are you going to circle back to the other guy who was kind of like a little bit negative about oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, doing yeah. it in the district? Well, he's, he was a little, he was skeptical, but it's skeptical, like, yeah. you know, all right, so you need a little more evidence. That's fine. You know, I mean, I'm not stopping, you know. We're going forward full steam ahead. You can either help us now or help us later. <laughs> <laughs> but you're going to be helping yeah, us. Yeah, <laughs> because, you know, we're going to succeed. This is going to be, this is going to be a huge win. Um, and, you know, it's just a question of when they're going to get on the train, I think. Um, I don't know. So the thing is, a lot of these, a lot of these guys these really successful sort of self-made guys, you know, the reason they're successful in part is that they, 
are thoughtful about what they put their money into. And they yeah. try and find people who they can identify with and say, all right, this person is a go-getter. This person is going to walk through a wall. This person is going to make this thing happen. I'm comfortable putting money with behind them because they're actually going to do something. It's not just going to go into some line item budget and it's just going to get spent on something, mm. you know? So um, I think we're going to have some more follow-up stuff or anything, anything like that. But um, I don't know, so that was a huge day. That's, that, that was really, I mean, it, I mean, it really could not have gotten any better. Um, so when was that? Uh, I think it was a little less than two weeks ago. Okay. You know, and the day before that, I'd had lunch with the superintendent. And he was like, he's like, I'm so excited about this. I can't even put it into words. <laughs> <laughs> so so what, what happens? Like, what would be the next phase with, with a, a guy like that or that? that group well i told him i said here's basically what we need i said to put it in sort of like in sort of investment terms i said we, we're like we need some angel funding right. it's like you know next year we need to hire another full-time person um so you know we need uh, we need at least to get 100 grand for next year um yeah but if we have we can if we can get some angel funding to help us in a couple of years then we can probably apply for some much bigger you know multi-million dollar grant from you know these giant foundations um but we have to reach a certain level of maturity and show a certain level of success and sustainability before we can um, hit that. I mean, you, you, you have to get angel funding before you get your A round or your B round, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, this, and I, don't think, I think the same goes for, for this kind of stuff, you know? And so when he said that, he's like, because, right, you know, I started talking entrepreneurial and invest. So then he, was, then he realized that my background was that. He's like, oh, okay, now I can talk to this guy because he's yeah. thinking in terms of that. You know, he wants a return, but not financial return. He wants a return of success. He wants it to grow so that, it, so that he was one of the first people who saw yeah, he wants the potential make, of this. He's like, I don't want to waste the money. Like, I can spend this on anything. So your vision of, like, building a generation of Elon Musk's, is that something that, that people really like, you know, when you say oh, that? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, it's the big idea, which is, like, you know, you want to change the world, and this is how you do it. And you, and you sort of do this stepwise logic thing, and they're like, yeah, I, they buy the logic. Like, I get it. Yeah. And it makes sense to them. And, uh, you know, when they see the success that, we're ha that we've had and we're having, and I think if they see my level, my clarity of vision for it and my commitment to it, you know, they're, they're kind of, and they're impressed. Now, whether that translates to a check or not, we'll see. And, mm. you know, it's always getting to, getting to the check is always a big now, step. Now, Sandy's done a lot of raising money for that in that kind of a way, right? Well, she, at, the, at this point, she's, chairs the uh, the 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 gala for one nonprofit and she and the and she does she and another and i don't know if she chairs a committee or kind of basically does most of it herself but for the for the pef so she does do a certain amount of f f sort of what's called development work development is like fun development you know but hers is more about the event but yeah so she does some of that and so you know she was part of this conversation she was in class she was kind of talking them through it and then she was there at lunch with us so she's part of this whole thing and so we kind of work in tandem on this stuff. Nice. So and another thing is funny. The um, so this Institute for Educational Advancement, which is the national gifted um, organization. Yeah. And we, I've talked a little bit about. Um, and that original kind of billionaire guy was like, "You need to go talk to Betsy Jones over the IEA. She, she used to be the Western Regional Director for CTY, which is the 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 Center for Talented Youth out of Johns Hopkins. So she's kind of a big deal in that whole area. You told me that, you, I think you mentioned it on the last show, you really hit it off with her. Yeah, yeah, she's great. So we had a meeting with her, 
uh, with her was myself and Helen, his director of curriculum, and at, at, at within the district, and um, and Angela, who's head of development, at, director of development for PEF. And so we had this like two hour meeting about how we can get the district work to do something together. And and um, afterwards, she's like, "Oh, Jason, can I talk to you?" I mean, after you know, I'm like, oh, "Yeah, sure." And so I thought because they want me to teach a class, they're like a 10 week, one day a week class or something. And I thought that was going to be the topic. And then she's like, she's like, listen, we have a, um, we have our big, uh, fundraiser, annual fundraiser. Um, it was like October 20th or something. She said, would you be willing to MC it for us? <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> and she's like, yeah, she's like, she's like, we think it'd be great. So, you know, we, so I, <laughs> I'm going to be emceeing the uh, the fundraising. That's awesome. Isn't that funny? <laughs> <laughs> you better get some jokes ready. Yeah. yeah. So um, just don't funny. read anything. No. Like just just oh, say no it. no you know yeah. me I don't yeah I don't prepare. <laughs> I wing it. That's awesome. <laughs> That's my approach to life. So uh, let's see. Oh, we do want to talk about is the system itself, the software. Yeah, love to hear about so it. So it's starting. It's starting to come along. Like about a, about a month ago, I refactored a huge chunk of it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like. You know how I've we talked about this, but when I write code, I, sometimes I don't want to get overly concerned with re refactoring and creating a big, you know, really well structured thing. I just kind of want to get it working because my tendency to perfectionist. So in order to avoid getting caught in the perfectionist trap, I uh, I just like I'm not gonna worry about it. It's just I'm just gonna like like one giant file for my database file. Like I know this is garbage, but it but by keeping it this way, it forces me not to think about oh, I break this object and I do this and I inherit here and I do all this crap yeah. and then it's like spend all this time with call it this astronaut architecture architecture and being an architecture astronaut. Yeah, you know. So anyway, I had to refactor. It's like a three, it's like three thousand lines of database code. I was looking, I'm like, well, even for me, like this is extreme. So I had to refactor that all into all these like different types of data objects and all this stuff and. Um, you know, so I got the I got the uh, I got the system much more, much much, well, it's much better designed, but it's actually much more stable now. And now I'm really starting to add a bunch of the features on because now Haran and Sandy are using it. And they're like, oh, can you add this to it? And can you add that to it? So yeah. it's like kind of it's really kind of coming into its own. And I got like you know whatever seventy four kids using it, you know, five six days a week yeah. doing all their homework. So it's a, it's kind of a lot of um, so it's important that it doesn't go down, that it doesn't screw up, you know, because they're all of their homework due the next day. And if it doesn't work, then that's a major problem. And it's so it's still in Node. Yes, it's all in Node. Um, but talking to a MySQL database. Yeah, but I don't and I don't use all these like auxiliary libraries like you you know you're talking Bower and Grunt and React and all this kind of bullshit. I mean, oh, it's, you're just you're doing it like the it's way vanilla. the way that yeah, old school. I do it old school, and and it, it works perfect. It's fast. It works. Yep. There's no need for all that stuff. It's like yeah. the only thing I use. I think I use. Um, is it handlebars? I use one of the uh, templating. I use the the most basic templating engine. I think it's handlebars. I don't know. Maybe it's something else. Um, God, I'm, and actually, I think it's something else. But anyway, I try and use as little, few stuff, as few libraries as I have to because I don't like getting boxed into stuff. Yeah. You know, and and I just don't need. I don't need the. I don't need the rails. You know, I don't need the trail. I can go off trail. It's just like you. It's like I don't really. I don't need the handholding. It's not doing anything. It's not really doing much for me, and um, yeah, I mean it's, uh, but it's fun. I'm having a, I'm having a really good time writing code. That is good. But uh, oh, but, but like, no. like, tell us a little bit more about it about the app. Like, what does it what does it? Oh, okay. Do? So like, what is so it? So it has 
there's four fundamental. I guess there's fundamentally four different types of people who use it. There's the students who all do their homework, they log in, has you know they can have one or more assignments that are due. They click an assignment and they start at, you know ask them a question. A Is multiple it like choice multi- so it's all multiple choice? It's all multiple choice. Okay, got it. Yeah. Um, and because any kind of question could be asked multiple choice, and it's just the cleanest, simplest way. Yeah. To have, you yeah. know. You, you know. You can. Go all this extra effort to create this special interactive thing, but I'm not sure there's but a whole then, but lot so of Because it, it's really easy to display the math stuff. Just getting them to enter weird math things yeah, would be difficult. Just yeah, it's not worth it. I don't think it's worth the headache. I mean, I may at some point enter like a free form entry, but it's just going to be like only if you're entering a number or something simple. But I, I don't really think there's a lot of gain in that. And uh, so there's that. There's that aspect of it too. And then they can go in and look and see how they did and how their classmates did and stuff like that. And I'm working a part where they can look at their mastery, like where their strengths and weaknesses are, kind of the heat map of that stuff. <laughs> then there's the uh, the instructor. So Sandy and Herena and myself are the, current, are the instructors. So we get to go in, you create an assignment, you see how people did. I'm going to add in a thing where you can like re- reset an assignment. So if a kid, did, like for instance, my kids don't get at least 65%, I delete it and I get to start over. <laughs> and it'll be another set of random questions. So it's like you do 50%, like one kid, I saw a couple of 50%. So I'm like... Yeah, do it over. And it's not because I'm trying to punish them. It's just like, you need more practice. Mm. You've not mastered this material. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, anyway, th- things like that. And um, one th- I did this other cool thing where it's like, after assignment's done, there's this one tab we go to, and it'll list the most frequently missed problems and, 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 and ranked by the topic. So like this topic was the kids struggle with the most, and here's the problem that most of them missed, the type. So they can, so when you go in class the next day, you can go, oh, okay, these are the things we need to talk about. And actually, one thing I want to work on uh, that I, I might not get to for a couple of days, but I really want to do it is it can print out a list of every question that everyone missed. And I can create like a worksheet for each kid. Like, here are all the problems you missed in the last three assignments. Mm. You know, and here are two, it, along with maybe two other problems just like it or something they can do in class. So then I can walk around and work with them, you know. So it's like, you know, it's like when that's why it's great to be sort of like eating my own dog food. Because as an instructor, I look, I'm like, what, you know, what's going to make my life easier? And like Haren emailed me and he's like, hey, is there a way? Because right now the way it works is that you select, you know, one or more topics for a homework. And then you assign how many questions you want on a per topic basis. And he's like, is there a way that we can do it that you can set the number of questions differently for each topic? And I was thinking the exact same thing. It's like, you know, I want five calculus topics and then I want to add in, you know, 10 trig topics the trig questions are much are not as hard they don't take as long so i can do more of those or like this topic they need a lot of practice on but these topics i just want to add a couple questions just to mm-hmm. keep them fresh you know and uh but you know i because he yelled to me i'm like i yep yep i know what you're talking about i said <laughs> good thing is i have an in with the development team so <laughs> i'll get that done for you within the next few days exactly so i've been working on that and yeah, like one thing i was working on is the and occasionally we have questions that have bugs in them. The questions, there's two quite there's two answers that are effectively equivalent. Kickums is like, well the boat, you know, like, or the answer's wrong. The numbers don't match up right. Oh, the answer's an X and Y, but the answer is an A and B. And you're like, oh my God, like how did that happen? You know, but when you're generating lots of questions, sometimes it's easy to slip by. Your your eyes just don't see it. And so then you gotta fix it. And what I've been to before is I get an email and then I have to go into the database and I have to manually write a SQL query to fix it. So now I do it where when you go and change it and it says, okay, this question has 15 answers, four of which are incorrect. And if you were, if you changed it from being an unfair question, essentially, there was no way to get it right. Do you want to set those answers to correct? Or if it was just stylistic, then you just say no. So like stuff to make the question writing and, uh, and question fixing stuff 
mm. easier because that's kind of time consuming. You know, when that happens, that takes me, you know, five to 10 minutes every question to be careful I don't screw something up. And if I, you know, get a SQL query wrong, I could end up really. So you're, so you're flipping the question rather than it just being a wrong question. Now it's wrong on purpose. No, no, no. So, so if I, if I said, well, what is uh, four plus five and it was an old choice and there was nine was not there. Yeah. You, you'd flag, you, you as a student can flag it. And he's like, this, there's no the right answer. The answer is 10. Right. The answer so, is nine. It's not there. Yeah. And so you're going to get it wrong no matter what. And it's not fair. Yeah. And so what I do is I go and I just mark them all correct up to that point. And I'm like, well, there's, you know, I have to, the, all the kids, some of the kids are already finished. You can't say, well, just, you know, I deleted the question. You have to do another question. I just right now just mark it as. Got it. So do you, so do you have like a, but, but isn't it easy for you to click in and edit that question or no, you don't have that. You, well, you right can edit you, the question, but that the question, it's not the pro problem of fixing the, you know, you can, I can click in the system at the question, but there are a number of answers to that question that are incorrectly or unfairly marked as incorrect. Yeah, so there's a number. You know, there's a number of answers. Yeah. So when you say that, I keep on thinking what you mean is, it's. I keep on thinking you mean answers versus student instances of answers. Right. Yeah. So right. I'm, I'm confusing those. Two yeah. Things. Student instances of answers. I yeah. just call those the answers. Yeah. So I have an answer table. Yeah. Right. Okay. So. Um, so you have to go through. You have to write like scripts that go through and fix all those students' answers. And mm -hmm. yeah. Got so it. that's actually something I just did today. Yeah. Um, you know, my little UI. And the thing is, I had to make it nice because, so it's not just, so you have the instruct, you have the kids, students, type of users, you have instructor, use cases, and then you have question writers. And so, and then they write questions, they get emailed with a link to a question. If some kid flags a question, I get emailed and, and or anyone who, who contributed to a question, either you created or edited it, gets emailed like, this question was flagged as incorrect with an email, what they said. And then you can click on it and go look at it and say, oh, geez, he's right, that this question is wrong. Do the kids ever... Play around and just like send stuff for no good reason, or is it is it always good? Oh, occasionally they'll be like, because Daniel's one of the question rounds. Like I hear like, "What's up, Daniel?" You know, or, <laughs> and then not. I mean, not a nod, a little bit. You know, usually it's that's like cute. that's just wrong, or I don't, you know, I don't understand. Or sometimes I guessed. I tell at least one kitty, he'll say like, "I guessed." I did. I, I one kiss. I should have paid more closer attention. I'm like, that's not really a flag, you know. But you just wait. It's not a big deal. But um. So, and then, so then there's a the question writers because they have to write questions, clone them, write them. You have to be able to see how many you need and how many you have for a topic. And so you got to write a lot of tools and have a whole collaboration and sort of a version platform built in for managing that. And then there's just sort of the, from the administrative standpoint for my, you know, I have to like be able to create and add classes and students and I have to be able to, you know, add topics and create structure and do all these sorts of things. So there's a lot that goes into it. I mean, it's not a, mm. it's not a trivial platform. Yeah, that whole app and stuff as well. And so have you written out, written, built that admin stuff or? The what stuff? The admin stuff admin you just stuff. mentioned? Yeah, a lot of it's there. Some yeah. of it is, some of it's there. A few things, some things are manual. Some things are kind of like. It's like you keep, you keep on doing stuff by manually putting stuff in the database until it bugs you. And then you're like, okay, I'm going to build a tool that's to exactly. do this. Well, yeah. that's the only way to do it because there's other things you got to fix. Right, yeah. And then you're just like, well, this just makes my life fail. I can go in and spend, if it costs, it takes me 15 minutes a night manually tweaking these questions, that's fine. I don't really want to do it. But then after six weeks, you're like, all right, I can't do this anymore. This is annoying. Well, because one of the things was I wasn't, the thing wasn't auto emailing. It was just emailing me if there was a flag. It wasn't emailing the question writer. So they didn't know how many broken questions they were. Yeah. And so when they started getting, they were like, oh, crap. I'm like, yeah, you know. <laughs> so you need to feel a little pain. But then they're, they can go and edit. So if they can go in and edit it, well, they could end up fixing a question and it doesn't change the answers or do anything with the answers. So then you need to correct it. We had the same issue with, uh, uh, with Digidoo, Modern Teacher, mm -hmm. like had to do that. So when someone, when someone went in and edited their lessons, 
you need to then go through and look through sometimes thousands of different questions and give it, you know, refix, refix it. It's complicated. Yeah, I know. I know that exact yeah, it's thing <laughs> you're working on. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's going to be, uh, it's going to be pretty slick by the year. And, and then of course there's all the question writing. So like I have to come up with like topics like, okay, this is a topic or that's a topic. And then I usually go and write two to five sample questions. And I'll be like, all right, I want, you know, 10 to 20 questions of this sort of structure and this sort of format. But sometimes I have to create more than a couple because I have to, they have to, they have to sort of like, I have to bound it a little bit. Like here's on the, e this is how easy they can be. This is how hard they be. Use different variables. Here's different ways of framing it. Cause if I just make them all the same, they're going to make them all just like mine. They're going to say, oh, this is what Jason wants. And if I don't show, so I need to show the range, but I also need to show the range is like, don't make it too crazy. You mm -hmm. know, like, like sometimes they do is they'd add, they would make the, the arithmetic really hard. And mm -hmm. I'd be like, well, what's the point? Like, it's an algebra problem. Like, and I don't care if it's, you know, 11 plus eight, you know, if it's 11 X minus eight X, that's fine. I don't need 237 X minus 521 X. I mean, what, you're just making it unnecessarily painful for the kid because now mm. he has to go and like, you know. But they'll do, you know, the, when, when yeah. they're starting, yeah. they'll do these mistakes. You're like, okay, look, this is what I want. I don't want, and I have to come the up with the basic concept of it. Yeah, don't do this, do this, you know. And, uh, but, you know, the, the question writers are getting better and better in the sense of that, yeah, they're getting better at writing questions, but they're also getting better at just knowing, understanding what it is that I want, which is part of it, right? I mean, they're not in my head. All I can do is say, okay, I guess this is what it's supposed to be. And I'm like, okay, when it's this kind of question, you format it this way, and da, 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 you know. Yeah, someone needs to have control in that way. Like I do, fi I, I do find when people build products, build startups, there isn't necessarily someone who's like the arbiter of like the quality, you know, or even just a single vision. Like, so you having that single vision, it makes everything more just coherent. Yeah, yeah. And, and since I'm dealing with the kids and I feel the pain of it, yeah, you you, you kind of know. know if you know, and and I so I think like oh if they're not learning stuff well enough or they don't understand stuff or the system isn't working for them, I mean, I feel the pain because I go in it screws up my class or makes the kids frustrated or I get emails from him he's like ah you know these kids are emailing me they say that this didn't work or that didn't work like that's frustrating and embarrassing and so yeah I gotta fix it. We're just coming up to two hours. Yeah, I guess it's probably a pretty good time to, to um, cut. Is there any was last there any things? was there any things you wanted to bring up? I got one good think. one, uh, just a quick one. Um, this was, I can't remember where I got this. I think this might have been someone's answer on a Hacker News thread. Hmm? But um, Douglas Adams quote, I really, really like this. I've come up with a set of rules that describe our reactions to technologies. Anything that's in this world when you're born is normal and ordinary, and it's just a natural part of the way the world works. Anything that's invented between when you're 15 and 35 is new and exciting and revolutionary, and you can probably get a career in it. Anything invented after you're 35 is against the natural order of things. Uh, that's bullshit. I don't think that. I don't think so. I think a lot of people. I mean, it's Douglas Adams, the you know the comedic author. But yeah. I think it's true. I think that like the what made me think of it. In fact, the exact post that I got it from was the post that you sent me about the JavaScript stuff. So basically all that JavaScript stuff that we're kind of complaining about like grunt and you know, all these and, and gulp and all these different things that they fall into this. That's exactly what they're saying. Yeah. But, wait, exactly so saying that you don't, but they say that you don't invent stuff after the age of 35. Is that what he's saying? No, he's not saying that. Okay. No. I appreciate is that you don't No, He's, he's saying that from, from, from someone's perspective, 
from anyone's perspective, like from your perspective or from my perspective, mm. new stuff that happens after we're 35 is like weird. I don't like it. Stuff that happens between 15 and 35, oh yeah, I like it. I want to get on board with that. That's what, that's what they're saying. Like, mm. So once you're- You're just less open. Once you're past this kind of threshold, you're like, yeah, you're not into it. So, and, and this was written in a response to that, of people complaining about that post, you know, that post mm. that you sent me. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I, this is certain about right. I mean, yeah, people become less open. I mean, in part because because it's like that ex, explore exploit, like a, you know algorithm. It's like when people are young, they try everything firstly because they don't know any better. Yeah. But after a while, you start knowing better. Like that's just dumb. You know, that's going to end in pain. There's a high probability that's going to end in pain, frustration, waste of time, and. But when you're young, your, your, your exploitation ratio is much higher. But you just build up a certain amount of like, I've just, I've seen this show before. I know how this ends, you know? Um, but the problem is, is that if your exploit becomes too high, you just stop learning at all. You don't grow at all. So you wanna, you, I think as you get older, you wanna retain, uh, uh, you know, and try your, your, your best to retain open, as, as much openness as you can. You know, there's a lot of, you know, people who are open tend to be um, have better relationships and they're healthier and all these kinds of things. So, you know, people who are closed off, you know, it's like the, the grumpy old guy, rah, you know, like you, that, those guys are usually not happy and they certainly aren't growing and, and learning and just sort of repeating the same stuff over and over again. Well, the parts that I don't like about some of the new stuff that's coming out, the reason why I think I might be a curmudgeon about it is because it's so hidden. Like, I don't mind new stuff that comes out, like Go, for example, mm -hmm. you know, because it's open. It's like it, you can get into the weeds with it. But this, a lot of these kind of tools, these new weird tools that deal with less and all this kind of stuff, it's very closed and you don't know how they work. So that's what kind of blocks you off. That's what blocks me off. Well, today. people are like that about PHP instead of like these dynamic languages, instead of like it's C true. and stuff, it's right? It's true. Yeah. And a certain amount of just like, well, you just kind of go with it. Yeah, because PHP, really what it did was it just tied together C with like a bunch of different C things. Yeah. Um, and command line things. Yeah, it's like letting go. Like you don't have to be in control of everything. If you're just willing to let go a little bit, then... Well, so that's, that's what they're saying with the new languages, right? Yeah. With the new I mean, tools. You know... But you, you but don't want to do it. You don't well, want to let go. Well, I mean, it's like, I, yeah, you want to you I mean, try you, and stay open to things. You right? personally don't want to let go. I personally don't want to do don't want 30 to JavaScript libraries, frameworks. Yeah. No, I mean, I think... You know, there's just like everybody with jQuery, this jQuery, that, and then eventually went back to like vanilla. You know, you know, the pendulum always swings, and we're kind of at a far end of the pendulum of like the 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 proliferation, you know, of this of JavaScript libraries. But it, I think I, I text I texted or skyped this to you. It's very similar to what happened with Java back in the early 2000s, and it was like these the Java stacks and enterprise Java beans. Everything got so overly complicated so ossified that people just started leaving and moving away from it. And that's why when things like um, Ruby on Rails and, you know, and, and uh, Python, people, uh, you know, came on the scene, people just bailed. They left Java because of that. And the, if we're not careful, the same thing can happen with JavaScript because once things become overly complex and overly engineered, then it becomes less fun to work in in a lot of ways. And you become less productive in some ways because you spend all your time just changing one frame to another or learning another framework. Where, what are they going to move to instead of JavaScript? Oh, there'll be another something of some kind. I, who knows, right? There's always something else. We don't know what it's going to be, but you're, you're sort of setting the stage for your own demise by over-engineering. But it kind of <laughs> always goes through this. I mean, when you have engineers working on stuff, at some point they're going to start over-engineering it. 
yeah. because they can. They can over-engineer it because it's easy to put in, create an NPM module and put it up there and get a GitHub repo and write a little readme post and they're like, hey, here's the new way of doing X and you get a few people to, and then like, boom. Now it's a whole new thing and... I just heard of Bower like recently within the last year and then even on that post, it's like Bower's like old, old news. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the, the, the JavaScript hype cycle is now tighter than sort of like women's fashion or clubs or something. You know, like a, a band or a club is hot for like, you know, 18 months or two years. Like JavaScript frameworks don't even last that long. I mean, it is ridiculous. Like before you even hear about it, it's already uncool. That's, it's already crazy. done. Um, you know, I mean, I use certain libraries. Like I'll use MathJax format the, you know, the math formula, you know, because there's no other way to do it. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't know. It's, the problem is a slippery slope. It's like you want to you wanna use enough libraries to make your life easy, to make stuff more, you know, cleaner, more stable or whatever. But you, but it's so hard to stop at the right point and end up getting caught in like the framework trap. But like now I got nine, 12, 15 frameworks all wrapping and like they're all, there's these, all these inconsistencies and am I using TypeScript or am I using Babel? Am I doing all this crap? And it's just... You know, it's like really, like really, what did all that buy you? Well, apart yeah. from like a, me a megabyte being the average homepage download now, you know, yeah. which is nuts to me. I mean, still anything I code is like, you know, 25K or something. It's yeah, like <laughs> I mean, so I don't know. I mean, there'll, pro there'll, there'll probably be a severe pushback to this in another year or two, yeah. probably, you know, or something. I mean, I mean, it's not that these tools are bad. It's just, I don't know. I mean, it's just, there's so many of them and it's just too much. Well, or you're require, I guess it requires a lot of judgment to figure out which ones to use. What's the minimum set of tools that we should use? It's like, I think when Netscape, when they were doing C++, it's like they would stick to a very limited set of C++, um, uh, or a, a minimum language set. Like you, they weren't using templates and they weren't using a bunch of multiple inheritance. It's like C++ was great, but if you went too far off, you know, off trail or whatever, it was just a nightmare to maintain. But if, so you just got to say, okay, we're doing it, but we're not going to do this other stuff. And I think JavaScript frameworks would be like that. It's like, okay, well, we do this, this, and this, but this other stuff, yeah, yeah, it makes this a little easier, but it creates all these other problems. So like, we're just, we're not going to do those things, you know? Yeah. Having templates allows you to say, well, we can have multiple classes that, one class that handles multiple types, but really, it's not that big a deal, and you rarely have that instance, and so just don't do it. And I think, yeah, when you say, like, for JavaScript frameworks, it's like... Yeah, I agree. I like the um, effort put out by Thomas Fuchs and Amy Hoy, the, uh, the micro-library effort, so you can go there. I I've forgotten the name specifically of it, but you, ju you just look for one specific thing that you want to do with JavaScript, and they'll have, like, a 4K library that does it. You know, yeah, and so you mix and match, and you put like you put like five 4K libraries. It's like what linkers used to do. It's like it's almost like it's almost like you want to like, yes, I don't know. I mean, yes, right. Instead of having this giant 200K download, make download. It's yeah. like yeah, it's the other thing is it'd be interesting if they said all right, well, but there might be some kind of movement which is like you know how like they said like in emails like three sentence emails, mm -hmm. three libraries. Or right. three, whatever. You get, like, pick any three you want. People are like, well, I'm going to go with React, and I'm going to go with this, but I'm not doing anything else, or whatever. Like, there has to be some kind of, like, limit. Otherwise, the, slope, the slippery slope effect goes in, and you're using 
50 libraries and nobody can penetrate it and it's just a nightmare you know and really it's like your your code isn't that complex anyway it's like why did i need all that crap so yes yeah, so, is that uh, it that good for uh, we I good think that's for, good we're over we're over two hours yeah all right so we're we're scheduled to have a show with rob in what a couple weeks yeah this is this is two nine nine and a half and uh that will be the 300th all right all right that's a wrap we're out